Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on Monday, November 5th, 2018, for episode number 105. I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. What is going on? Welcome to November already. It's Welcome crazy. to 105. Welcome to 105. 105. Thank no, you very that's much. That's not even the thing. That's but. not the thing. But folks, the thing that we're going to do is romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you haven't yet and you have a Twitter, go follow us there. You can do that at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a really good group out there in cyberspace uh, where uh, yep. fans can talk to us and like hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics. And it's over on this website called Facebook. Yeah, it's for all you uh, wrestling cyberspace warriors over there. Yes, uh, right. It's one of the top websites on the internet called <laughs> Facebook.com slash cyberspace. Is that what it's called? Yeah. No, well, actually, it's our group. Okay. It's our Vantage Point dash retro wrestling podcast group and what happens there you so got, what do you well do? first you know what i just said about that dash and all that yeah. business you got to type that into the search bar. okay and then it says cyberspace and then all of a sudden it pops up you hit the button and the operators are standing by but yep. uh, have fun and over there there's the giffies and the jiffies yeah. and, and the all kinds of fun pictures discussion. of mm-hmm. the kuwaiti cup uh, zero <laughs> yeah from 1985 or something that's like that. the original kuwaiti cup right yes it is and one thing that we try to do over there folks is we try to promote a fun environment it's kind of like a the middle school lunch table is our friend Jake yes. Georgeson says it's goofy it's fun so whether you're a fan of all of the wrestlings or just some of the wrestlings maybe you've been watching for 40 years maybe you stopped watching 20 years ago yeah maybe you just started watching recently you are welcome there just join the group it'll be a great time don't miss out it's fun and Quinn later on the show we'll have a little bit of information on our Patreon we do have that if you want to donate folks and we'll shout out some friends of the show but all season long and now we're midway through the season Quinn and I have been volleying back and forth each week talking about something that is on our minds as it pertains to retro wrestling and this one is actually inspired by a poll recently in the group where someone asked a couple of names about you know who should have won the world title so kind of what I wanted to talk about is just who are some of the best guys in the pantheon of wrestling Mm -hmm. to not ever win the world title and I wanted to start off by saying the three names that were mentioned Rick Rude right Kurt Hennig and Owen Hart. Now, Kurt won the AWA, but I don't really now, consider Now, Rick Rude it. won the WCW one. Yeah, he? but this was, I guess, specifically a WWF question, but right. I figure we'll throw WCW in there, too. What's a name that really sticks out to you? Let's just start WWF for now. Okay. Right? What's a guy? I, I personally agree with Rude, but I don't know. Who's someone for you you think that could have won the world title? It would have made sense, mm-hmm. and they never did. Well, I thought Ricky Steamboat. When do you think that could have been? Well, I thought he was super hot after that whole Intercontinental title thing. Like, he was. So was the Macho Man. But I always, every time I watch WrestleMania 4, right, Joe? Oh, God. I always, like, get mad that, first of all, 
Ricky Steamboat and the Macho Man didn't like butt heads once again in the tournament. They are butt heads. Wouldn't that have been awesome? I don't know. At WrestleMania 4, it wouldn't have been. Well, maybe WrestleMania 4 would have been better if that happened. So. Yeah, maybe. I don't think the crowd would have cared there, though. I they weren't they there would. to see wrestling matches, Quinn. They were there to <laughs> snort the blow, man. I think they could have made it through. But anyway, on the floor, apparently. I think had Ricky Steamboat stayed with the WWF throughout he- 88, Instead of 89. like Bonnie like brainwashing him or whatever that Bonnie was. Bonnie brainwash, yeah. Remember? <laughs> yes, you remember no, that? You're right. Like, isn't that, isn't yes. that what happened yes, or something? Yes, his son was a power lifter. No, right. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Understand that youngster's only a couple of months old, Jeff. Look at the size of him. A couple of months old, he looks like a power lifter. Yeah. Then he would have been like probably the WWF champion by like 89-ish, like when he won the WCW title. I always, that for some reason, that one always stuck so out So you think me. like Hogan goes to make a movie, Steamboat's a champion. It could like it could have been, could an, have option. been an option, right? Yeah. No, that's not a bad one. I think uh, Scott Hall comes to mind in both companies, WWF yeah. and WCW, as one of the better wrestlers of our time. It's true. He really is. Overall, yeah. talented wrestler, charisma, great look. Uh, yeah. And, and I like him in WCW too, believe it or not. I do like the outsider version of him. Do you I f- like him in 98. I mean, even though he's a big drunk asshole, <laughs> but like, you know what's weird about that? What? Usually when people are like drunk and wrestling, it's never a good mix. Like, like Hawk? The, like Jake the Snake, that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But with Scott Hall in 1998, I don't know how he pulled it off but he was drunk and good at wrestling well, for no reason. Wasn't like, the drunk a gimmick partially? Partially, but that was, was some steeped re- in that real was life. some real liquor that he would bring to the ring. It I, been. There's no way it wasn't because I if I if I recall there was some story where Bischoff kicked him out of like Del Boca Rista or wherever they were. <laughs> you know, for like spring. Panama City, yeah. yes, <laughs> Del Boca Vista, yeah, Del Boca Vista, <laughs> whatever. Costanza. yeah, all of Del Bisto Becco. Do you think if Scott Hall would have stayed in the WWF through 96, maybe even turned heel, but even if he stayed face, do you think that would have been around the time? Maybe feud with Sean for the world title? If he stayed with WWF, his stock was always on the rise as the Razor Ramon character. It was never, ever going down. By 96, 97... I think he was like on the precipice. He could have been like, the world when champion. he left. Like, yeah, it was, I think so. Because I mean, he was just the consummate babyface champion, like constantly. Right, and it's no less believable than Diesel getting the world title. In fact, I thought it was less believable <laughs> that Diesel. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Like it was like, wait, but Razor Ramon. Like what? I thought it would have made sense. Uh, he never did it. He never won the world title in either company. Do you know how long and hard? I work to buy this precious gold. What do you think about Kurt Hennig? Would he have had... Mr. Perfect? Would he have fit? Like, is there a spot for him to win the WWF title in his career? If anything, it would have been with that Hogan thing in 90. Like, yeah. That's which, like the only time. Because when they finally turned him babyface, he sucked balls. <laughs> Like, he was horrible. Why do you think that is? I hate that run. <laughs> why? Because he did. Why am I supposed to be compassionate about this guy who says he's perfect? It's stupid. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Left me laying in the trash. I'm not a piece of garbage, little boy. I would say if there was a time besides the Hogan thing, which hindsight being 2020, it was obviously good that they didn't put it on him in 90. That would have been dumb. There's yeah, no well, I mean, reason for that. If, There's maybe, not. Maybe like 89, like at the end. He was a mid-carter. They really built him up like he could beat Hogan. By they those, built him up. By and those then, Saturday Night's main events and stuff. And they had some good house show matches, yeah. him and Hogan. I think if there was ever a time, it would be instead of Bret Hart, you have Perfect win it from oh, Flair. Yeah, well, I mean, that's another obvious In one. In late 92. But even so, like, 
I, I think they were proven to have made the right decision because so. Mr. Perfect really fizzled after that. Well, he had the Lloyds, too. Don't yeah. forget. The don't Lloyds never of forget the Lloyds. <laughs> Anytime to cash in that Lloyds, man, yeah. and not have to wrestle. Yeah. He's smart. I'll give him that. What about uh, Brett's brother, Owen? Owen! I love you. I was going to say him, too. Um, another guy that I think... It's unfortunate, and I always say this, but I think the the, the Montreal Screwjob affected him more oh, than yeah. probably most people. Other and, than Brett, yeah, probably. And even Brett got, it's not like he was, like, dethroned from his position. He took, like, you know, that year in WCW, but after that, he was just world champion again, so it wasn't yeah. horrible or anything. Vince Russo, of all people, came in, you right. know, despite the fact that Vince Russo was terrible, right? Never did anything yeah. good. And he's like, we gotta put the title on Bret Hart, bro. Yeah, but meanwhile, Owens left no. high and dry in the WWF. Well, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, DX, right? They just treated them like shit on screen. They didn't give him a chance to Nugget. get over. Yeah, they nuggeted him, and yeah. they just, like, wiggly-fingered at him all the time. Now, you know what I mean? I hate fair, that shit. I know you don't like that, but how were they supposed to work? They did that to everyone. That was their gimmick. Yeah, but it like, didn't help anyone, is my point. I, just because they did it doesn't mean it's good. But that's why they were popular, too. So, like... No, they were popular I'm not defend- because they I'm were different. I'm not defending it in Owen's case, but maybe... Anything with Shawn Michaels, you uh, find a honest, reason to no, defend no, no. it. No, no, no. Honestly, I just think Owen feuding with DX, even though... They had the whole Brett thing going. It was probably the worst thing for Owen because they were clearly like higher on the card than he was. He was just like a gopher for the Hart Foundation. Yeah, on paper, the idea of him coming out of the crowd to attack Shawn Michaels really should have led to something good. Remember that? When right. He, he returned at DX in your house yeah. and attacked Shawn. It should have led to something good, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, the idea was there. You could see it, but then they never did anything. Because they but, still acted like he was in his same position in the Hart Foundation as the Intercontinental Champion guy. The like, ironic thing about all this, Quinn, is that the guy he was feuding with for the European title, Triple H, went on to become like a 74 time world champion. Right. And they were like literally on the same level in early 98. Isn't that well, funny? Triple H, I always say, had always had the, all the benefits that most people didn't have. Yeah. It's, it's kind of garbage. Good worker, though. I mean, he is and he's solid good. guy. And I know like he ended up being good and I understand. But he's like, not he, an all time. Remember, there, I even heard something once where the Undertaker had to like sit him down and like, bro, you're good. Like, stop trying to like, <laughs> like, you don't need to prove anything. Trip, like, in the back, this was like years and years ago. Really? Yeah, because he he was very insecure that like the only reason he was he was actually aware of it. I'm glad he is. That the only reason he ever made it was because of like you know marrying Stephanie well, and like you know he was a hard worker. He worked yeah. his ass off too. What about Roddy Piper? I've heard people say this. I, I don't, a, hey, I I don't think he needed it, but he is one of the best wrestlers I to think, never win it. I think he needed it to but, do what. During that whole, like, when he won the Intercontinental title thing, that felt like redemption, but I felt like they could have gone another step forward with that. I don't know when he would have won it where it would have made sense for him to win it. it you know what would have been cool is after all the chaos of the flares and the and the savages and the Hogans and everyone arguing over it, is if somehow the title had um, slipped into Piper's hands mid-92. You think so? That would have just been a fun aside. Maybe then have the Undertaker beat him or something. I think if there were ever a time for him to win it, it would have been eighty five. But oh no, that, I'm, but you don't want to take it off Hogan yet in eighty five. I don't even think that was the right time because that's what built this whole build up for why people wanted to see Piper win the title so I much guess. by the early nineties. Like it was like, damn, it'd be so great if Roddy Piper was the champion. Who the fuck said that? 
I think he did fine without it, though. Right? I think he did fine, but I just there's still part of me that always wanted that. Fair. I understand. Yeah. Now, you know what's interesting about this next guy? He never won a title on the WWF, and that would be Jake Roberts. Oh, yeah. Not Jake even the, the Intercontinental. Snake. Why? Well, I never I understood know. that either. I don't know if he was supposed to win it from Hunky. I've heard that, it, but then the the neck injury. You mean the Intercontinental? Yeah. The Intercontinental yeah. from Hunky. The world, I, again, I don't know if he should have won the world, but he's well, one of the best guys not to. I'll say something about um, Jack the Snack over there. He <laughs> was one of those guys, like we said, did, does he need the title? No. Did you feel at any point Especially when he was like evil Jake. I always felt like he was above the title above for, some, it. for some weird reason. He was like a bad actor. I saw Joe DiMaggio in Dinky Donuts again. But this time, I went in. He's an operative or an agent. Like, he's hmm. somebody that's like, he would fuck with what's going on in the WWF. Like, but wasn't preoccupied with the title, huh? Right. It hmm. was always because. The whole thing with that Ultimate Warrior with the snakes and shit, that was stupid. But yes. it, at the same time, it was, again, like that, that I it, I guess it implanted that idea in me that Jake is just fucking with all the main eventers constantly. Like, he's just, like, he doesn't give a shit about the title. <laughs> he just wants to, like, make their lives harder for no reason because he's sick. That Yeah, that like, version of him is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teddy, Teddy Bear never technically won it either. Teddy well, DiBiase. he did, but then T- Tubby was like, never fucking again will <laughs> you be the champion or you whatever. You can't give someone a title. Yeah. You can only win it in the ring, so there's no champion. <laughs> I, don't I, know I he, love the Million Dollar Man, I, actually. I, I'm a big fan of that character. I think if he would have just ran with it throughout like a little <laughs> bit of 88, you know, after, like if that would have counted, right? Andre's like, I surrendered the tag championship to Ted DiBiase. And if they would have just let him keep it for a few months or something and then he lost it, that would have been cool. Did- Honestly, it would have been cooler is if the Million Dollar Man had somehow arranged things because it made him seem way more evil. If he had somehow arranged something where, like, the t- winner of the tournament at the end of the night would fight him. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. He almost arranged that, right? With, he like, almost, the- but imagine if he had got, like, that's... Because he, he would have been the most off. evil shit possible. To be completely fresh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that works out. But on the other hand, you never get to see him throughout the show. So new fans don't. Well, I, maybe that yeah, adds to the mystique. Yeah, you have cut promos every, yeah. every break in the round. Yes, like, right, like, right. Oh, that's a good idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. Not He's bad. so evil. I mean, he could do it. That was peak DiBiase, too. Could you it imagine was, yeah. him like going out in the crowd in Trump Plaza in the middle of the show, <laughs> right. offering people money and like kicking balls away from children <laughs> and shit like that? Just being an asshole at the casinos. And then he just imagine the cheers at the end when they when he just like loses oh, soundly yeah. to the, the macho savage. man who goes through every single round. That would have been a better arc. Yeah. That actually is pretty good, Quinn. I yeah. never thought of that. Well, is there anyone else? I'm trying to think if there's more guys that could have feasibly been like really good wrestlers that could have been a world champion. I mean, a guy that comes to mind just because I always saw his star on the rise and maybe I appreciate him more now, but I really thought Brian Pillman could have been something. Yeah, I mean, he left us young. Yeah. He was really young. What was but, he, 33 or something? Like, yeah. he had a Jake thing going on, but I could totally see them running with like a Steve Austin obsessive wants to be the champion kind of thing, too. Yeah, he never had a WWF belt. No, nope. WCW. Uh, like had like cruiser. Yeah, not even the light heavyweight. Light, yeah, I mean seriously. He, <laughs> yeah, that's a guy who just didn't have titles. No, he really like, didn't. a lot. Jimmy Schnooker never had no titles either. Superfly. Yeah, Inter- I, I could have seen. And you know what? Though I could have seen an Intercontinental run for I, him. No, I could in '83. I personally what? felt like he should have beat Backlund. Oh, when he was a heel. 
Mm, even for Backlund to win it back, maybe, right? In like six no, months. Honestly, it, we're watching it now, right? Yeah. They might have been able to sustain the first ever long-term heel reign Eek. in in that time period because of how over he was anyway. Is that a risk, though, during it's that period a risk, of time? but I, imagine the business. From the day I opened the first Wendy's, my goal has been to serve the best hamburger in the business. Maybe it would have been Could worth it. Could be worse it. than Backlund? I mean, yeah, really, exactly. Right, yeah. But like early 80s. And people were cheering for him anyway. So it's like maybe he turns face in the middle of the rain or something. It just seems like the Vinny that everybody just wants to cripple me somehow. Vader as WWF world champion. That was always talked about. I that know. Was, people talk. I think it worked out fine with Sid. I think he. <laughs> you know, honestly, in all seriousness. Back, all, in all honesty, I think he peaked in WCW. He like, did. As a champion, even. Yeah, by like, 93. That was I don't like, think he should have been ever champion again. 93, 94 was like the last... Re- he was already kind of older by then, too. Yeah. He was pushing 40 by the end of that WCW run. Right. I think he was 40 when he came into the WWF, you know? Jeez. He wasn't young anymore. You're right. He peaked in the early 90s in yeah. WCW. I, I, I don't think there was any need to ever give him a belt. Like, you know, I think you're right. It in was, in it WWF, was, yeah. To me, in WWF, it was fun having him there, and maybe he could have been more prominent book better like, yeah I, I the more i analyze it and look at it I, the more i think like eh, you know he he had a run and that's yeah he had a good run you too. know who's the guy though that got the screw in wwf Ooh. i know he was a champion in wcw but Ooh. ron simmons damn yeah you know what holy shit like the, he's a guy you appreciate more and more as and more on, as yeah. you're, you're like Wow, this guy is good. <laughs> well, Ronnie Simmons, though. Yeah. Ronnie, who calls him that? He was also another guy that was a bit older by the time he joined the WWF. He had had his run, too, I think. It didn't make him any less scary. Or effective. <laughs> yeah. You like, know, he was he was a great promo. Seriously, go back and look at Farouk. Like, holy shit. You want to challenge me to a street fight? I got news for you. I'm the street. I was raised up in the street. I'm a product of the street. It's, it's very good. It's different than yeah. anything they were doing at the time. Yeah. You know? He, there was some kind of authority in how he spoke to and like, you know, it just felt like he, he believed was in what he was saying. Yeah. And, and good. Yeah. Just good. I, I agree. I thought he was good. Uh, I heard talks that Ahmed Johnson was always considered but for a world I, title I run. Not. <laughs> it he shouldn't have been considered me. for an intercontinental title run. He was he's one of the worst things in the middle 90s. I hate him. The middle 90s. <laughs> yeah, I just mean like that, literally that the like... The mid 90s, yes. But that, those three years, yeah. Yeah, the mid 90s, the they call 90s. it. Yeah, no, I know he is. He's really yeah. bad, but he was over. Yeah. Uh, before we run kind out of, of time here, is there, yeah, kind of, before we have to go to break here due to our sponsors, is there anyone else that we are, we're overlooking here that we haven't mentioned? Folks, obviously at any time, let us know if you can think of anyone that never won the big belt, you know, in either WWF, WCW, whatever the case may be. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter or you can email us or join the group. Quinn, anyone else before we're out of here for the segment. Uh, did you say Rick Rude at the Rick beginning? Rude? Yeah, in yeah. WWF, I think is the most viable one we've discussed because I could, if Sergeant Slaughter yeah. could be the transitional champion between Warrior and Hogan, why could Rick Rude not have been if I he mean, had stuck around? He literally is one of the most like hated heels to ever exist, right? Like without question, uh, absolutely. W, you, and we just mean WWF, WWF. Here. We know obviously he won the WCW title. international, and he won the real one. Uh, didn't yeah, he? he won the real one yeah. also. But I'm just saying, it turned into the. It was a whole thing. Yeah. I think Rude, if he had stuck around, would be perfect where they... Because fuck the Iraq war storyline. Like, it happened. It was a thing. Slaughter, whatever. The thing was, it just dragged on to the point where the war was over. Right. 
Were they banking on a three-year war or something? <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, really. By the time WrestleMania hit, it was yeah. over. But practically by the time Royal Rumble was over. But you know what would have been great? Just picture this. The same exact thing where Savage costs Warrior the match, but it's to Rick Rude. And Rude and Hogan finally have a big one-on-one at WrestleMania 7. And Hogan oh, wins he, it back wow, there. Wow, Rick Rude in the main event at WrestleMania. That sounds crazy. I mean, because a crappy Sergeant Slaughter could do it. It's true. Right? I think rude would have been the way to go. Imagine the glee on Bobby the Brain Heenan. Right! Finally the world champion! (laughs) He finally has... And rude seemed his most loyal, like, I don't know, his most loyal knight in the family there. Well, because Perfect turned on him with the water. Yeah, rude (laughs) never... Rude out of was the cart. always loyal to Bobby the Brain. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, oh, man, that would have been good. That would have been good. Folks, thanks for being loyal to us. And uh, when we come back, we've got two more contestants, two more entrants in the Royal Rankings. We will finally have our first top 10 at the midway point here of Royal Rankings. So we will be back right after this. After reviewing the footage of Demolition's recent intrusion into the Legion of Doom Orient Express matchup, it is the decision of this office that Mr. Fuji, the former manager of Demolition, exercised undue influence and breach of ethics by instigating the aforementioned intrusion. Therefore, I am taking the following action. Effective immediately, Demolition is on probation. Furthermore, Demolition will be limited to two and only two members. Never again will there be three members of Demolition anywhere, anytime. Pardon me, but that's bullshit. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on Monday, November 5th. 2018 for episode number 105. Hey, Quinn. Yeah. You should know by now we have a Patreon. Yeah, we do. It's called a Patreon. <laughs> yes. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And folks, if you want to donate to the show, and that's if you want to, we're not like money hungry, but we're not the million dollar man, you know? Yeah. We don't have a price really, but we do. Yeah, but we kinda. only have three very easy tiers. You will not shed any tears wow. over our tiers. We might have more prices than Teddy Beyonce. We Beyonce's. have three prices, and here they are. For $1 on the Patreon, what you get to see is each and every Monday with the release of our audio episode like you're listening to right now, you get to see the video form, and that includes us wearing shirts. They're good, um, and they make you warm, um, and then they sometimes make you sweaty when you're hot. Yes, that's correct. But you get to see the making of an OVP episode. That's each and every Monday. You get to see some things that might hit the cutting room floor. You get to see before we start the show, in between the breaks, after the show. It's a really fun time, and that's on the $1 tier video content with the release of every Monday episode. Now, if you want to up that and get a little feisty there, a little frisky, a little little, crazy. A little frisk. A little frisk. (laughs) For $2 a month. That's it. What you get for $2 is not only do you get the weekly raw video, every other Friday, you get a whole entirely separate audio podcast on a separate feed. It is our old fan favorite segment. Mount Friend. Yes. Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And that is where Quinn and I rank the four best and four worst of something. And it really could be anything and one day it could be hats it it could also be about doink which it actually was at one point it was at one point so that's for two dollars you get an extra audio podcast it's about an hour or so and it comes out every other friday now if you are really just a 
free-wheeling, high-rolling kind of person. If you're the Ric Flair of Patreon. You can up your ante, if you will, to $3 a month. And for $3 a month, you get everything I just mentioned. That's right. The Raw video every single Monday. You get the bi-weekly Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. You get a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Whoa. Oh, wait. That's something else. And oh, you- I want the Griffey card. <laughs> I would sign up for the $3 tier myself <laughs> if I got the Griffey card. And you also get every other Friday in between the Rushmores there. Now you got weekly Friday content. Quinn and I, we sit down. We watch on the television. The w- telly. <laughs> WWF from 1982. Oh. And you get to watch along with us, and it's a fun time. And our good friend Richard Land puts trailers out there if you want to take a sneak peek. Yeah, I wouldn't say whoop, actually. I take that it's back. It's getting better. It's th- getting there. This show is becoming a thing that's it's not shit. actually getting there. Yeah. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Pick the tier that's best for you. And you know what? If there isn't a tier that's good for you, that's fine. We're going to be fine. We, we appreciate you even listening to this free weekly show, and it will always be free. We won't shed a tear if you don't get any of the tears. Couldn't have said it better myself. Neither could Longfellow. Yeah. Uh, Quinn, we are at the midway point of the Royal Rankings. And folks, if you're just joining us with that, all season long, Quinn and I have taken the top 20 WWF champions of all time as voted by you, the fans, voted into this thing. We got Bonds. over we got over <laughs> 40, 50 submissions. Wow, that's a lot. We are narrowing it down to the final top 10. That's right. There's going to be a top 10 and a bottom 10. Unfortunately for them. But we are at the midway point now. We have eight on the board. Two more are going to enter today, and we're going to find out our first ever top 10. So let's go to the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now- I've never been pinned for a three-count, man. I'm better than you are, yeah. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. I have Prince on God's green earth. You know, I can't tell you how proud I am to be once again World Wrestling Federation champion. And I'm the best wrestler in the world, and can't nobody tell me different. I'll win the championship match again. I think Axe is going to win because I think he's the only one who beat Andre the Giant. Royal Rankings Week 5. We are here for the first ever Top 10. Wow. Michael Quinn. I'm going to run down the current leaderboard, but this is all going to change, or some of it could change as of this week. So right now, at number one, John Cena. Very proud of him. Very proud. Big match John, as they say. Big match John at number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Cold Stone one. The Cold Stone. Number three, you know, Bret Hart. I'm sure that's not okay with him. Uh, Number four, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. Mm -hmm. Number five, if you smell what Brock Lesnar is cooking. Okay. What do you think Brock Lesnar eats? Like cold fish? Cereal. I don't know. (laughs) Number six, Ric Flair. Woo! And number seven, Shawn Michaels. And of course... Pulling up the rear. Hanging in there. Randy Orton at number eight. So he's that's, doing so good, Joe. He is. He's not doing bad. So why don't we all find out who drew number nine? CM <laughs> 
Punk. I'm hitting my watch right now it's, on the Patreon. Is it clobbering time? Yeah, it's clobbering time, baby. All right, so CM Punk, folks, was voted in pretty impressively. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. He got a lot of votes in. It wasn't like he was, like, at the bottom. No, right? he yeah. was not in the Randy Orton tier of, of votes. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, to recap CM Punk's WWF career, uh, it started with the ECW. Yeah, well, and that somebody, had to, somebody had to carry that shit. And that's like when he came in. So yep, uh, 2006. Yeah, and he was the ECW champion. If that's a thing that matters, gorilla. Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. But then he worked his way up to the uh, unimportant big gold world title in 2008. Yeah, I think he had that a couple times. But yeah. That again. Yeah. Who cares? Again, right? it, like I felt like they were just trying to like satiate the fans who like knew he was the best. Like, you know what I mean? They're yeah. like, yeah, have this. Well, the people that knew him, folks, if you're unfamiliar with, and you might be, I don't know who you are if you're listening. CM Punk had built quite a name for himself on the independents, particularly ROH yes. in the early 2000s. Now, he was one of the first guys that became like a superstar out of the Ring of Honor. Yeah. he To me, it's like he's the first guy that made it to the mainstream, although Paul London, I guess, technically counts, but. You Remember know, when he smiled at Vince and then he got fired? Yeah, he was the Velocity champion. <laughs> yes, so he was. It does, I don't really count that. CM Punk was the first true like success story out of Ring of Honor. Punk so, versus Joe, there, Samoa Joe. Yeah, a lot of people had a love for CM Punk. He was like our baby, right? Like, Including you and I, Michael. Yeah, it yeah. was like this guy that we know. It's right. like, you didn't think seeing him back in the day, like, you know, this guy's going to have a great indie career. He'll never make it like to the top. To like, the WWF, especially. As he was, he kept coming up these rungs. Little by little. Little by little. And there hit this point right before he actually won the WWE title. He'd had the world big gold dumb title. Yeah. He had the EC ti- ECW title. He'd been the leader of the resistance. I don't know what that <laughs> the fact is. The, the bald people. Was it called that, the Nexus? Yeah, remember yeah, the, the Nexus. The bald people. It was horrible. Yeah. And that was the thing. That that was horrible. McGillicuddy's in. He passed with flying colors. He showed a lot of heart, too. The Husky, you're next. And then five years into his WWF run. Like, talk about a slow build. And right. they say they, they say that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Five years into his run. In the out of nowhere, kind of in mid 2011, in the summer of 11, CM Punk sits down on the Titan Tron, st- the stage, yeah, whatever they call it. And a lot it. of people are confused. Yeah, and he starts cutting. A, it's a worked promo, by the way. Okay, before but we get truth all, in it. there's tr- that's why it's a worked shoot, yeah. right? About Vince McMahon and and you know idiot uh, daughter and doofus son in law and all the stuff that we love about yeah, it. It's just and, funny and how he hates John Cena in real life or he, something. He hates John Cena. His contract is expiring. Blah blah. That's blah. That's the truthful fact, which was actually true. Yeah, and I think even Manch was like, I don't know Manch if he's gonna have the Manch. Put it this way, he may not be signed to a new deal, um, but he certainly signed in to something. Dude, you're a genius. It's because I think he threw in that his contract was expiring. Right. I think that's what threw everyone off the scent and nobody knew where this was going. Yeah. So what it all comes down to is at Money in the Bank, and we actually talked about this when we mentioned Cena a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago. It's in Chicago. Yeah. Which is Punk's hometown, of course, if you can't tell by the fact that he loves the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, He he likes everything Chicago. He likes the Cubs, all that. Perfect Strangers. Yeah, perfect. Who doesn't like perfect Strangers? Big fan of Balky. Yeah. And he beats John Cena clean. Right. After Cena nobly and honorably refuses to take any interference from Johnny Laryngitis. Right. And thus starts um, the CM Punk Summer of Love or whatever they call it. Yeah. So Kevin Nash comes in and they have a stupid feud, but eventually <laughs> Punk gets the title back, right? At yeah. Survivor Series 2011. And then he holds it all through 
2012. Right. The likes so, of which we had not seen in a I long was, time. I was a little surprised they were willing to go this far. Right? Like, you know what? He was actually really the most popular wrestler. I can't describe to you folks what I think personally, and I know you agree, Quinn, what this did for where they are now. Right. So we need to put into context why his reign, why this big reign is so important. Did he? Is he technically only a two-time WWE champion? Well, he, here's the rundown. He won it from Cena at Money in the Bank in July. Right. He won it again at the SummerSlam, but then immediately lost it to Del Rio when Nash interfered. Right, okay. Oh, Fucking that, that, Kevin Nash in 2011, remember, by the way. That thing was very confusing. Yeah. It was something with a cell phone. I don't remember. And then he finally won it back from Del Rio and at the Survivor had, had Series. Forever. And I believe that's where Howard Finkel was his personal ring announcer. That's kind of cool, Which actually. was awesome, yeah. yeah. C.M. He holds it all the way until a match that we've talked about, and I hate it, the Rock Royal Rumble 13. But in between, Quinn, set the context. Why was this such a big deal? So this was important to WWE, I think, as a whole. I think indie wrestling was going to do what it was going to do anyway. Because you know, that's what they do. Yeah, they, they were doing their own thing. We said but that it was well. important because that pipe bomb promo was like viral on the internet. I had been dipping out of wrestling for yeah. about a year. And I remember, Quinn, I came over to your house and you were like, you have to watch this. Yeah. And you weren't really watching either, were you, until not you heard about much. that? Yeah, right. until I heard about it. Because how could you blame us, folks, for not watching most of 2010? We kind of... <laughs> like, it sucked. I say I always had two taper-off points. I had the, the 2003, oh, and then, like, after you and me stopped watching together in, like, 09 or something. It was literally when they started the guest GM thing. Yeah, okay. I was like, fuck this. Yeah, you you told me, like, don't come over for this anymore or something. No, like, we, we lived together at the time. Oh, we did? Okay. But we, I, just, we actually then just gave up together. Okay, never mind. Conveniently, I had also started dating my now wife in, yeah. in the summer of 2009, so it was kind of a good excuse, too, for me to spend more time with her. But right. nevertheless, right. it wasn't so, good in, like, 10, and, the oh, Nexus. Now... Manu! Yeah, yeah. Not to just put us in the picture, but also talk about everyone who had dropped off since the Attitude Era. Yeah, right. It was like a lot of people, right? And this is the era where no one liked John Cena for no reason. Yeah, that was all LOL, Cena wins. Yeah, whatever. But he cuts this thing, it goes viral, and most people who had not been watching the WWE for quite a while were like, holy shit, is this real? The way he, he did it, it sounded more real than anything people had heard in many years. It sounded like the old shoot promos from, yeah. from the 90s. Right. right that which were real, where people were like, had gripes with WCW. Yes. Screw you, Hulk Hogan. Like, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. This was a page out of the Vince Russo book, and for the better. Right. For the better. Of course, nobody would care no. to say Vince Russo had any influence on something like Never. this. But Bro. Basically, a lot of people got back into wrestling at this point. It helped. It really helped reinvigorate interest in what WWE was doing because they were so dumpy for a couple of years. <laughs> they there. were so they dumpy. They really were, folks. And I feel that this ushered also in the era. And I don't know if this is WWE's timing, maybe of finally getting these deals together, but working with the likes of ESPN and um, what was that? Famous blog that Phil Simpson. What's his name? Phil Simmons. The guy, Phil Simmons. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it's called. Grantland. Grantland. Yes, that, Grantland. That, that site helped precipitate this because they they were also at the same time like 
I don't know if it was planned or something, but they were also starting to talk about old wrestling and stuff. Out of nowhere, because no one was doing that in 2011, folks. Like, also, no one in the mainstream. But they had a little bit of a history with that in their yeah. myriad of articles. It, it's not like they weren't before this, but that kind of, like, group of people kind of came together, and all of a sudden, all these new people started getting injected into wrestling again. I absolutely agree with you. And another thing to mention about CM Punk, let's not sleep on the fact that during this period of time, he's 32 33 years old which is a his prime i mean like he was one of the best wrestlers you know best in the world he yeah. was literally one of the best wrestlers yeah, he in was, the world he wasn't like it wasn't some stupid claim like he actually physically was at that point in his career and he had the experience and the physical capability still to be the best and, and he was and finally his promos had gotten a chance to shine since the pipe bomb because he always had the charisma yeah he never got to use it really before he never that. had the opportunity correct and he had paul Heyman with him which made it feel like a big deal yeah and that that came a little later a right? little later but like it, it, i'm a paul Heyman guy when he correct. finally said that and yep. paul Heyman came back uh-huh. he'd been gone for a while and which that was, was awesome. really cool because we hadn't seen paul since i think brock lesnar yeah oh four or, 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 or since he left the stupid ecw oh that right yeah, yeah the stupid ecw so anyway, Punk had some good matches. I mean, I don't remember his reign so much for the matches. I know he feuded with Jericho. He had a great match that no one cares about with Daniel Bryan at Over the Limit in yeah, 2012. No one cares about it. Even though it's like the one match we wanted to happen yeah. after they were both like right. at that peak. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Shoulders down, shoulders down. So Punk's reign comes to an end, though, Quinn, as we mentioned not long ago. Against The Rock at Rumble 13. And this left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth including, to, to this day. Like, I, I'm, I'm serious because... Including Philip Jack Brooks. Right. But The Rock, he's in Hollywood. He brings all these outside people. I don't give a fuck. WrestleMania is the draw, not The Rock. So The Rock wins because he says at once in a lifetime, um, the night after or something. He's that got it's a fight be, Cena next year. So yeah. that it's got a fight Cena twice in a lifetime, but it's going to be for the title. Yeah. They say that. Yeah. So Smart. now CM Punk's literal end to his reign is written in stone. It's crappy. Like, it, before, like, before he even, I think, regained it for it to be written in yeah. stone, I think. I know. It's, like, it's really a shame. At the same time, what a run. Yeah. 14 months, Quinn. 14 months. If I recall, a lot of good matches, but mostly remembered for bringing a lot of new and older fans who had been out. Yeah. back into the the fold here and introducing maybe some more casual fans to his style of wrestling which was very different from what John Cena and yeah. Randy Orton and Sheamus and, and he all had these a different guys look too different look different he, style there was something raw and it felt real about CM Punk I absolutely agree and I think that he is a good champion it'll be interesting to see when it becomes ranking time where he falls but Quinn it is now time for our next participant yes let's find out who it is <laughs> Latino Heat, Quinn. Huh? Eddie Guerrero made the cut. How? How? I don't know. So, guys, Eddie Guerrero, <laughs> he literally was the champion like once, right? <laughs> yes. And for like two months. It wasn't long. It was, uh, it was actually maybe four months, but nevertheless. <laughs> so you can thank Eddie Guerrero for giving us Bradshaw because that's who he lost it to. But oh, we'll, wonderful. We'll, we'll get into that. So Eddie Guerrero, though, I want to say on a lot of positive notes, he's a beloved figure in, in terms oh, of wrestling. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as his you know pre-career buildup to winning the WWF title, I mean, he has a storied career. 
And yeah. he, he, he came up through every single possible step. He, you know, God, he really did, right? From Japan and Mexico, and Mexico, yep. To ECW, where he, you know, people like to think of ECW as the the hardcore junk federation, but it's like Eddie Guerrero was in the early days. He was in the early days. Not only that, his brother was the gobbledygooker. Yes, well, that's a very important contribution. <laughs> it needs to be clarified and be made put in right in history that that idea was not a wrong idea. It was a good idea. My One of my favorite things about Eddie Guerrero, before we get to his title reign, folks, just so you know, we don't talk about Eddie much just because his height in the WWF doesn't fall into when we normally talk about. Yeah. For the record, I really do like Eddie Guerrero. No, I, he was great. Tremendous talent. He was always a constant, but in the mid-card in the era that we loved. The you know late I mean? 90s, the, yeah. But he was a guy that you could rely on a good match every, Absolutely. every night. And I'm and I'm not talking about on the pay-per-views. I'm talking about on the regular Monday Nitro, Nitro or yeah. WWF. Um, raw raw exactly so when he came in in january of 2000 with chris voldemort with perry saturn yep and with dean malenko that was a big deal to me and he was the one i think i was probably most excited to see a uh, benoit yeah but i was very excited to see eddie guerrero i think also. they were the two big names <laughs> yeah. that everyone wanted like everyone's like dean malenko he hasn't done shit he just stands <laughs> around in the four horsemen or yeah, something that- in a suit <laughs> And, and Saturn was just like... He hadn't done much, Saturn right? was... I loved Saturn. I was a big Saturn fan. In like 98, yeah. Yeah, but I, by the time he came to the WWF, it was almost like a full year of him being useless. He hadn't done much. His last big yeah. thing was a Jericho feud like after, a year earlier. After the flock disbanded when Raven went back to his mom's house or whatever, <laughs> like that like was kind of... Saturn didn't really carry right. over. Like, <laughs> right, I agree. Yeah. But when Eddie came in, he had a great little run there. He got injured early on, and then he was the uh, Intercontinental Champion, European Champion. He had the thing with China. Look, tonight don't think of me as Mamacita, okay? You better think of me as your opponent. Don't underestimate me. Okay. Then he's let go in um, the end of 2001. Now, for that's, that was for drugs dr- or Drunk something. driving. Drunk driving. Yes. Yeah. But he comes back in mid-2002, and slowly but surely, we finally get Eddie Guerrero elevated up the card. Which took a long time. Took a long time. He was about 35, 36 years old at this point. The push was there, though, right? The push was there. I think being on SmackDown helped him a lot. Was because he well, was that's on this a good era. He was on this other show that was pre-taped. So a guy like you know he had a history of drug problems. I really think that like helped him as a person. It like, might have, like in general. I mean, obviously we know what happened in the end, but uh, yeah. But um, you know, like that helped develop him even just as a wrestler. Because I think so. Because here he was allowed. You're allowed to do more on SmackDown. It, it, to, to this, this day. day, yeah. Jinx, you owe me a coke. You know, it allowed him to build up and build up, build up, and then all of a sudden, you know, his character that he had developed those couple of years after he came back, where he was kind of breaking out of the Latino heat thing, and he was more like that lie, cheat, and steal, and the throw a chair at the guy after he hits him. You know the thing, right? The, like I the, like the thing where um he, he loosened his boot and then it yeah, came it came right. off. Was or, that against Kurt Angle? Yeah, I can't remember. He yeah, escaped out of the angle. Yes, lock. right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Just tap it. Wait a minute. The boot went flying. His boot came off. Look at this. Small package. One, two. Oh, he wins. And he wins. But wait a so finally, and we've talked about Brock and his his great early run. We didn't mention that Eddie Guerrero was the one that unseated him at No Way Out, February two thousand four. Right, and that was kind of near the end of Brock. Right, Brock was gone at WrestleMania a month right, later. The big Boo Goldberg match thing. Yeah. Now, while I can't blame them for wanting to run 
Brock versus Goldberg at WrestleMania. How much sweeter would it have been if Eddie would have won the title from Brock at WrestleMania? It would have been great. But much they more memorable. Have done that. I know but they I mean, wouldn't have. I, I th- always thought it was bad that even though we had that moment with Voldemort and Guerrero hugging, which at the time people like. You know, he wasn't a murderer yet. Well, yeah, so. and it was like four years earlier, these guys had come over from right. the shitty WCW. As the radicals and right. all that. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit, these two have finally made it to the top. Right. It just, I, I guess what you're, what you're saying is it would have been a sweeter end of the night where they're hugging and because they both won that night and not Eddie Guerrero retained. Yeah, like, that's all. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But I get why they did Brock Goldberg and it's funny for comedic purposes. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, you're right. His reign was four months. He loses it to Bradshaw and that's the and, fucking end of that. And then Eddie, you know, unfortunately he kind of lingered for a little bit and passed away. Yeah, in 2005. Yeah. I am perplexed as to why he made the Look, I love Eddie Guerrero, yeah. the performer, and I know he got I his like shit his career more in again. Yeah, I do too. I am a bit perplexed, though. I'm not going to lie. As, as a WWE champion, nah. Yeah, I just like he got the votes, so we right. can't argue with. I wouldn't have voted them in my I top can't twenty. I don't argue think. with them either. And it's, I guess, as we go to the leaderboard, yeah. right? It's not looking um, too. Good. It might be a little grim. Now, yeah. I will say this, folks, without giving much away. Maybe in the season finale, we'll say who didn't make it and all that. Yeah. Eddie did barely make it in for the record okay okay he wasn't like he wasn't like punk or rock brett any of those other guys austin it was like a barely he barely made it in so i guess someone's got to be at the bottom of a top 20 and he was for a lot of people well you know this is a very scientific list joe we can't say that automatically (laughs) i guess not because i mean you know what eddie will at least be in the top 10 he will yes at 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 some point at least for this week I think the only thing with Eddie's reign before we rank them here, A, is that it, he won it on a secondary pay-per-view right? from Brock. It's no great that he beat out, Brock. Right? No way out. He lost it to fucking JBL, which is not a way to a earn hideous, points with me. hideous era. I don't like that era. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, four months and that was it. It's one thing if you're like a multi-time champion and one of your reigns is four months. Yeah. Like Austin, for example. It's just, like putting Ivan Koloff in, the, in this or something. Right. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I kind of do. But like, really, like Steve Austin didn't have long reigns, but he had a lot of short ones. Right. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero had one very short reign. Yeah. And that's it. I get it. it. So, and it wasn't that memorable to me, honestly. As a champion, I really can't. I, I don't know what to say. So he mainly just feuded with like fucking JBL the whole time. I'm right. not even kidding. <laughs> what a great reign. <laughs> I don't know who uh, else he really feuded with. I, that was so good. I'm I'm just sad that we can't say anymore because if he had lived he probably would have been the uh, yes. champion again like, okay that i'm glad you brought that up he probably would have been right people loved eddie guerrero folks and, and he might have been lining up for a i don't know if it was the wwe or like the big gold but mm-hmm. around that time he was in something important wasn't he um, wasn't he involved with a batista few, i mean can't remember exactly what it was i thought something there was with, something eddie guerrero and ray mysterio and are you well, that, my, was, my that was earlier no that was a little bit no, dominic and all that no that was not that well they would have at least had that storyline to go off like in 10 years when dominic grew up he like <laughs> kicks eddie in the balls or something where is dominic anyway he is there like i've what? i've seen him as an adult Sh- shut somewhere. up he's no. real no god the truth of the matter is I'm your father, Dominic. Well, let's uh, let's get to ranking time here. Now, just a, a real quick rundown to catch you up again. Here's the top ten. Cena, Austin, 
Bret Hart, The Rock, Brock Lesnar, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, and Randy Orn. Where do we put CM Punk? What's a good okay. insert point? I think for Mr. Brooks. Since let's just start from the bottom here because I think the jumps are going to be rather quick. Okay. Okay. So, is CM Punk <laughs> better than a uh, young Randall Orton? Unfortunately, I must say CM Punk is I'm, I'm rooting for you, Randy. Yeah. I, I'm with you, but CM Punk is definitely a better it's champion. It's just like influence alone, right? Like importance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Memorability yeah. and match quality. Yeah. Every, in every marketability, in every single <laughs> promo facet, CM Punk yes. is indeed better than Randy Orton. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So he sorry, is Randy, but hang on to that nine, man. Yeah, hang on to the nine, Randy. All right, is he better than Sean as a champion? Yes. <laughs> okay, I agree, but I want you to tell me why. Although Sean had the match quality, I keep yeah, telling, I keep saying every week it didn't matter really in the end <laughs> yeah. because. Sean was defined by his second half when he didn't have any belts. Yeah, and also from his pre-world title run. Right. Like, he also started his right. career there. Everything about him being the world champion just felt like, well, he earned it. He was good. Okay, But, yeah. like, we don't really need... Like, once it happened, it was like, we could forever say Shawn Michaels was could, the world champion. Yeah. But that's all we needed out of it. We didn't need the rest of the reign. I think you're right. Like, you I, know what I mean? That's a great way to put it. You know what I mean? He did it. He, he needed, earned it. He, and that's not to say he didn't need to do it. Okay. And that doesn't make him a shitty champion because that's saying something that almost, if you really think about it, what we're saying there is that belt needed him. In 96, that belt needed him. Which is, Absolutely which true. Which is why he should be elevated so high as yes. obviously the eighth greatest champion of yes. all time. However, so we're officially hopping. Right. CM Punk would definitely okay. go above him. Now, Punk and Flair, I would say... WWF World Champion, folks, remember, it's not wrestler all-time anything. It's not NWA. There's no NWA right. involved here. CM Punk is a more important WWF World Champion than Ric Flair. Flair was definitely right place, right time, right yeah. thing. But I think Punk was a more influential. Like, it mattered more. I also think with um wrestling inflation... Sam Punk's year-long title reign would have probably been like five years when Flair was still wrestling. Yeah, that's in, true. In 92 or whatever. And I guess I should mention here while we're at it, you know, I mentioned how Eddie had a short run, and yes, Flair's runs were short too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Flair didn't really make it that high. <laughs> now, not to say I think Flair was kind of an influential champion, like I said about um, guys that were established somewhere else yes. could... could could be world champions. Yeah, you, you drew a very weird line between him and AJ Styles that I still don't agree with. I, but I agree with it. So <laughs> you agree with yourself? Yeah, I That's agree good. with myself there. But is Punk better than Flair? Does he hop over Flair here? I think he does. Um, because, I actually do too. Because, well, it's hard there because I think Ric Flair helped sustain a floundering business, um, whereas <sighs> maybe Punk reinvigorated a floundering business. I think that's more important. Maybe that's more important. We might not have a WWE network, and I'm I'm being a little grandiose, I guess, in saying that. But you know what Punk did did matter. I, I it was the WWE Renaissance, if you will. It kicked it off. Yeah, they Things, were in the dark ages for quite a while. They were in their '93, like their modern '93 or '95. Well, that '93 was, uh, you know, like nine years long or something. So, <laughs> that nine years long. All right, they were in the '70s then. Okay, yeah, they were in the more like the '70s. '71, <laughs> '79. Yeah. No, but I really think you're right. I think that he reinvigorated. That Flair helped sustain it. He floated it. It was fine. Great champion, Ric Flair. I think Punk's 
main competition here is going to be with Brock Lesnar. Wow. Hmm. Are you okay with moving Flair down a slot? I'm okay with that. Okay, yeah. so we're officially going to do that. But congratulations, Flair. Number that's a, still number, number seven. seven. That's pretty good. Out of all the champions, that's crazy, that's right? Very good. Okay. Uh, so I really think it's going to be between Punk and Brock for now. That'll be more of a battle, which is well, kind of ironic. Let's see. I think Punk is better than Brock Lesnar. Okay, and now, you've been I, a, and I've been a supporter. staunch defender of Brock. Extremely staunch. But Brock was always. The, I know they. This is a marketing thing. They would always say it. It's okay, but he was always the next big thing, right? Like that's what they like to call him. Yeah, Punk was like an icon. He was like a something the business needed. You know, Brock was. You know, things are okay. Let's have Brock. That make it even better. Now we we do appreciate the hell out of Brock's title runs. Right, they're very good actually, and his 2014 especially. I me. love it. I yeah. really do. Yeah. Do you think Punk's was more impressive? It's more impressive. It's more important. It's longer. Probably better well, matches. Brock's is pretty long, actually. It's not as long as Punk's, yeah. though. Yeah. And probably better matches are the same. Like, the match quality is probably a wash. Brock, no, I think CM Punk is a way better wrestler than Brock. Lesnar. I didn't say that, but I said the matches he had because Brock didn't wrestle often. And the ones that he did for the title were a big deal. Brock is a different kind of wrestler during his title <laughs> run, so he's a spectacle. All he does is do suplexes. Yes. Let's call it what it is, Quinn. But. There was something very unique and interesting about that. To see him literally just overpower um, names like John Cena. Yeah, that's true. It came off like... And Roman Reigns, by the way. I always interpret it in like kayfabe terms as it was like, this guy's German suplex is so fucking powerful that like these guys who are having like five-star matches and are awesome... They can't handle it. Like Even Carl Gotch would come over and be like, dude, that's a good suplex. Right, exactly. So it's like, if you have a move in your arsenal that's so damn strong that it brings their life bars to zero, <laughs> like, why the fuck would you do anything else? Well, I guess that's one way to look at it, yeah. I'm just saying, cause it, but that's actually, like, how they interpreted it. Like, like yeah, no, quite no, no. literally, that's how, in the story, it was. Like, his German suplex would just kill you. I know, and then Michael Cole had to keep saying Suplex City. Yeah. I'm sure he was told to do that, too. All because Brock probably said it by accident at that WrestleMania. Remember, Suplex City, he, bitch! Yeah, he just said it, and he probably was just, like, in the moment. Yeah, and, Michael, like, Michael Cole made forced it to say a it. fucking t-shirt or something. Yeah, but it, you know that's Vince being like, say it! Yeah, you know, yeah. I doubt Michael Cole, I know, I know. a 50 year old man is like, I really want to say oh, Suplex City by Lesnar! Suplex City coming up! Now, uh, anyway. Now, see, that all being said about Brock, and it was kind of impressive and blah blah blah. CM Punk's is better. It's better because it's more important. It just I is. agree. And like, I, there wouldn't be that second Brock Lesnar reign if it wasn't for Punk because I don't think Brock would have come back to a WWE that was in tatters after leaving the UFC because he doesn't care about anyone but himself. That's true and it was very tattery. Now we can both agree that uh, Brock Lesnar much better uh, mixed martial artist. Oh <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> I had to is, get my shot in the but Punk I will there say, a little. This is, this is one list where a Phil Brooks is better than Brock Lesnar at something. Absolutely. And, and uh, marrying women, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah I, I would take AJ over Sable. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sable. Sable. Uh, so is... All right. Okay, so here we go. If CM Punk is hopping over Brock Lesnar right. for the number five spot, I don't think <laughs> that CM Punk can hop over The Rock. Now, you would, you would not want to tell Phil up this because you know how much he hates The Rock. This is like, can you, how ironic is it that, the, <laughs> that this is where we land, right? Uh, is the guy who beat him for the title, which he absolutely despises in real life that this happened. Yeah, I know. It's well, where he might stop. Listen, you and I had a very competitive 
chess game last week about Bret Hart and The Rock. Yeah. And really, it could have gone either way. It's just that the the main point was there just wasn't quite enough of a case against Bret for The Rock to trump him. Not that The Rock couldn't. Now, should we... So, I don't want to. I don't want to um, just kill CM Punk here. I don't either. With with this rock. That's situation. what I'm saying. That's where so I'm I going. Wanna, I want to go somewhere with this. I want to say, is it possible that CM Punk is better than The Rock? Now, The Rock as world champion. Now, The Rock, great uh, mainstream, yada yada yada. Absolutely. People were already like back to watching wrestling by the time The Rock was big. Like Austin did that work. Yeah, The Rock was a mid-carder while that was going on. If you ask me, The Rock, is his success is based off what Stone Cold Steve Austin did. You know what I mean? Like Partially. He became a star on the Stone Cold show. He did, and I'll give him this, and I gave him this last week. He was the best gap filler that they had, because anytime Austin was not the champion and The Rock was, if, especially when Austin was out almost mm-hmm. all of 2000, Nothing suffered with The Rock being of in course. the title picture. And he was great. But CM Punk literally took a company that was not... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say floundering because no. Cena was doing great. It was mediocre quality. But it, was, it was mediocre, right. And he took it to the next level, but he, he did the something... level. He did something even Cena couldn't do, and that was bring in new people. Do you think he did? I really do, because I did not see the level of... Essentially, people who were afraid of calling themselves wrestling fans, they came out of the closet in 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 a sense. Once CM Punk came and did that pipe bomb and made it cool and won at that Money in the Bank, maybe they also brought back probably there. They at least perked up the ears of some people that were kind of just half in, they, half out. They did that too, but there is something to be said about. I had not seen wrestling talked about as at that mainstream level in the punk era since the Attitude Era. I agree. Cena, it had been a long time. While I love John Cena, and I actually do think he's a better champion than CM Punk, and actually yes, he he's, even, he's even overall a bigger star. Um, Absolutely. Because is. CM Punk is a cult like star. Of personality. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he is like a cult classic kind of guy, right? Yes. Like, he's a guy that did a lot of the work with side by side with John Cena after Cena was starting to, he needed another, um, he, another well, push. How right? many times can you fight Randy Orton? Right, exactly. Sheamus. So that's gonna, I guess, limit CM Punk to not being better than John Cena. Obviously, the number one, and he's not better or more influential than Steve Austin or and, Bret Hart. No, or maybe The Rock, though. I think honestly, you think The Rock is 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 the wall here. I think The Rock is the wall, and it's close. It, this is a close one to me as well. I, it's possible that, look, if Punk were to hop over The Rock, it's only because, in my opinion, of two things that I don't know are going to give him enough, but he held the title for a very long time, yep. which The Rock didn't. He and had he, a bunch of reigns. And in that year, a lot of um, people were coming into the fold. Right. And other than that, the importance of what he did, which you just touched upon. But Overall, as a champion, uh, it's so close because I mean, The Rock. Now I have to make a case for The Rock. He was after you did very, last week. Very but entertaining. I'll say that The Rock. Yeah, yeah, he was, and a guy where it made sense that he was a champion. Obviously, it made sense for Punk by this point too. I think it's. I think The Rock just edges him out by oh, a little bit. That's very close to me. It is. Uh, yeah, you're. I mean, 
if if a, the big defining feature of both of these guys is how they brought the mainstream in, The Rock is infinitely better because he, he's you know, more marketable. He's still a big movie star, and it's like what fifteen years or something after he stopped wrestling yeah, full time. Literally, yes. Um, I mean, they CM, both <laughs> CM Punk. It cannot be denied. Um, I think the thing we forgot to mention in all this bringing the people in stuff is CM Punk, to me, for better or for worse, um, ushered in the internet era for wrestling. Meaning that era where the constant critiquing and... Um, I'd say that's for worse. Well, you say that, but yes, there wouldn't I do. be this podcast if there wasn't that. That's not true, because you and I were talking about doing a podcast before CM Punk won the right. title. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, Ooh. like, I think wrestling podcasts and all sorts of internet media surrounding wrestling whether it is negative or positive and it, it's good or bad stuff yeah most think, of it's bad i think cm punk had something to do with that and i think that and i know you don't like that no but that I don't. keeps wrestling going what? that is one of the fuels that i think keeps them ha- still having a strong fan base even though i think they suck right now but they still have a constant fan base and I think that that internet injection, people always speculating, they, it's always on their brain. Wrestling is always on their brain. And that's something that CM Punk helped do. Okay. But I still think The Rock is better, whatever that means. Yeah. Okay. I think he is. But I, <laughs> I, are you serious? You don't see that? Like that no. whole internet thing that CM that Punk did? going on for a long time before. I don't know what you're talking about. I just think it was more prevalent. I was seeing it on, on websites that didn't talk well, about wrestling like twitter also wasn't invented until like shortly before this and people weren't using it maybe it's just coincidental i think quinn I, maybe maybe and youtube wasn't as prominent like people didn't make their own videos as much until around this time give you a video of wwe smackdown versus raw 2011 um it's a pretty good game and the pipe bomb was a viral video it was viral uh but i th- I think The Rock just edges him out the way Brett just edged out The Rock last week. I still think Brett is too high now. Like, but you whatever. Stop? Well, you can't put Punk <laughs> can't, above Brett I, and The Rock. No, I think he's in between The Rock and, and Punk, but that's just me. But we yeah, can't, it's it, just you. We can't change it. Well, it might be other people. Well, fans, you can let us know what you think, but we're going to put Punk at number five? Yeah. Okay. So congratulations, CM yeah. Punk. The number five well, top, top WWF champions of all time. I mean, he's got to contend with maybe Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah, Eddie Guerrero. No, (laughs) he's, um... Okay, Eddie. Look, I love you, Eddie. I love you, (laughs) I love you, Owen. It's between Orton and Eddie, I think. Eddie Guerrero is not better than Shawn Michaels as world champion. No way. He's not. not. I'm sorry. It's between Eddie and Orton. I'm I'm not... I'm sorry to say it, but... What? I'll be the bad guy. You'll be Razor Ramon? Um, Randy Orton's better. And I, I hope that's not coming off bias. It's really a joke. This whole like I'm like rooting for Randy Orton. Yeah, it's a joke, but maybe not. But it is. Do you really? Th- do you really think? Yes. He's- <laughs> it's four months, Joe. Why I cheat? I steal. Great, and it's ah. over. Like who cares? Why do you think he got enough votes to get in? Then there's some because- names that didn't, folks, and you'd be surprised. Okay, because I think it pulled at a lot of people's heartstrings, and they and, and I think because he died. Yeah. Um, it's part of it. Not to say that he wasn't a great wrestler or anything. We both agree to that. Yeah. And a great promo as and a good a champion? Character. I don't know about that because it was just JBL stuff. It's not that good. And like, you know, some, I think he also messed around with Kurt Angle during that time as well, possibly. Yeah, and, and Booker, I think, yeah. too. But 
Now, for the record, Randy Orton's not good. No, but, you know. <laughs> Let's not get crazy here. He just had more time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, that's unfortunately like. Unfortunately for us. It's more memorable. Um, Barely. Hey. They're both be nice bad. To, be, be nice to Randy. Okay? Why? Because he's going to be the number nine greatest WWF champion. You really time. think that he's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's. Come on. All right. Like, look. Can are, we... are you serious right no, now? No, I'm. Uh... You're right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But let me just outline it here before people start inundating us. Yeah. Randy Orton is not a better overall wrestler than Eddie Guerrero or not personality. At all. Not like, at all. Eddie Guerrero is infinitely a more talented in ring, out of ring, all of that stuff. More memorable figure, too. Uh-huh. And like, but yeah, you're right. As WWF world champion, they're both poor, <laughs> but Orton has a little more coin. He does have than, more coin. He has, he just. He's not more, good. There's more capital there. He's not good, yeah. though. I just want to make it clear. Like, well, he's not the worst. <laughs> he may, I'm surprised that both Randy Orton and Eddie Guerrero made it. But I guess when you're doing 20, some people have to be at the bottom. I think it's a short but sweet discussion, Gwen. Eddie Guerrero should be number 10. <laughs> yeah, there's really nothing else to say. The funny part is I think we covered absolutely everything we possibly could cover in the like initial thing. Yeah. It was almost like... What the hell are you going to say about it? Was, it was, to me, set in stone where he was going to land, at least this week. Unfortunately, I think you're right. I can't argue with you there. Mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero didn't have a very... Me- the way he won it was memorable. Yeah. Everyone loved that and he beat Brock. the big hug with Voldemort was that, good. That was a memorable moment, but what the... F- it was fine. It was great. It was like... It was kind of like the Michaels thing, but on an even less, less important yes. thing. Yeah. Where it was like, he earned it. He deserves it. Yeah. Great worker, loyal, blah, blah. So sure, let's put it on him. But, like, you know how Michaels was like that? Eddie Guerrero is like a condensed, like, Reader's <laughs> Digest version of that. It's it's more like the pamphlet at, like, the doctor that you read about, like, some random disease. While Even you're waiting. Like, you're not there for that. Now, but they you, just have, like, other stuff. Why are you there? You're there for, like, some other condition that you have. But there's, like, something about sleepy foot condition or something. Yeah, that sucks. You know what I mean? Just I don't like, like sleepy foot. But just something, like, that's useless. Or, like, it's like those two-minute clips on the little TV in the doctor's office right. from like uh, Dr. Preed Bara or something sure, from yeah. CNN uh-huh. saying like, uh, yeah, eat vegetables or hot something. Hot ear. Yeah, exactly. You don't, don't want to get hot ear. You won't get hot ear. Folks, you yeah. ever get hot ear, it's not pleasant. All right, so we're going to say uh, congratulations to Eddie Guerrero as the number 10, but congratulations to Randy Orton for not being in last place anymore. Yeah, so I guess it's time to run down the rankings. All right, so the Royal <laughs> Rankings Week 5 as of November 5th, 2018 for number 1. John Cena. Still the best, better than the rest. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Stone Cold one at number two, baby. Number three, Brett Hitman Hart. I can't believe he's still at number three. Nevertheless, the number four champion is The Rock. Maybe the number three champion. <laughs> number five, CM Punk. Very respectable. Very. Number the fifth greatest champion? Fifth. Holy shit. Number six, Brock Lesnar. Congratulations. Number seven, Ric Flair. Woo! Number eight, Shawn Michaels. The Heartbreak Kid. He's still, he's still in the top ten. He is heartbreak. And number nine, Randy Orton. I am, oh my God, so impressed. And number no, nine. He's and, not even the worst. And number 10, Eddie Guerrero. Folks, that is Royal Rankings as of week five, November 5th, 2018. Be sure to let us know yours. Do this on Twitter. Email us. Join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we are reviewing something. And we'll be back right after this.
Instead of offering you the widest range of 8mm camcorders, Fuji offers you the 8mm camcorder with the widest range. It has a 12 to 1 zoom, a super wide angle lens, and Fuji's unique multi-action grip. Buy it at Nobody Beats the Wiz for just $8.99 and get a $100 gift certificate or a Fuji Discovery camera absolutely free. Fuji camcorders at Nobody Beats the Wiz. A new way of seeing things. All your fans out there, take a look at your TV screen. And look at my big man, 665, 505 pounds, Yokozuma. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 105. Quinn, before we review something, I wanted to take a special mention of some of the other great independent podcasters out there, friends of the show. Yeah, the, the bestest of friends, right? They are the bestest of friends, and here are three great shows that we want you guys to check out. We like to give them some support. You know, they're scrapping along the indies the way we are. We're scrapping just fine. We're very scrappy. But they scrap also. They scrap also. Fine. Yep. And uh, first one I want to talk about is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, WPAN. You can find that every single Monday, so listen to it right after this show. Why don't you give it a shot? Good show. It's hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them is our independent wrestling referee that is allegedly on an extended hiatus. And his name retired. is... Retired. Yeah, retired. Mean Mike Crockett. The meanest of Mikes, the biggest of daddies. That's right. And his partner is a current wrestler. You can find him in Ring of Honor. He is the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Uh, the Wine City Whaler. We love you, Whaler. We love you, Whaler. We love you, Whaler. <laughs> and you can find so these... Safe. <laughs> so safe. You can find these guys that every single Monday. What they do is they talk about a little current, a little retro, their unique perspective as guys that have actually worked in the business lends to a very very entertaining show because you get some inside baseball, or I guess inside wrestling, if you will. Aha! Aha! So check them out. The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Great show. And another show, the critics' favorite, Quinn. It comes out every single Thursday. I still don't know who these critics are. I'm a very good marketer. It comes out every single Thursday, and you should check it out. You want to, you don't want to miss out on the critically acclaimed <laughs> greetings from Allentown. That is G F Allentown, and it's hosted by one very very lonely man, Petey Winston. A ten out of ten dash our vantage point dash wrestling, <laughs> wrestling podcast. That, that's what it says on the back of the box on that podcast. <laughs> and Petey, what he does, our little baby brother is he takes an episode of old wrestling and in the course of an hour and a half show he kind of talks like this yeah and he mentions stories and anecdotes and ron kittle and baseball and things like that and somehow in bruins yeah amidst all this craziness he weaves that into a very unique entertaining whimsical podcast it's called greetings from allentown gf allentown check them out every thursday and also check out our southern fried compatriots michael the lowbrow they are the lowest of brows. Of the brow. They're Sorry. the unprofessional wrestling podcast. They are booking the territory, hosted by Mike Mills and his crew. And what they do is they take a look at the stuff south of that Mason-Dixon line. I'm talking your NWA, the Crockett years. I'm talking your Smoky Mountain wrestling there. I'm talking your Sweet Tea and your Grits. You know, I've only had Grits once. Did you like the Grit? I had it in Atlanta, and it was um, it was pretty good, actually. Not bad. But I... I've never eaten grits again. I've never had a desire to yeah, eat grits that's, again. It's that's like, how I feel about grits. That's how I felt about it. So. I, I totally agree. But one thing you should do, folks, is have a desire to listen to Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. Really great show. Seriously. Check them out. Those are our three friends of the show. Give them some support. Check them out. Also, if you don't mind, if you have Apple Podcasts or iTunes, if you don't mind leaving us a review, we'd really appreciate that. But our friends of the show, 
Book in the Territory, the wrestling podcast about nothing, and GF Allentown. Check them out. And also, I want to mention now, and you probably know this by now, but in case you are not on the group or on the social media with us, next Monday, November 12th, Quinn and I are releasing something that we just recorded this past Thursday, November 1st. Right. It is the OVP Studio Shutdown Special. What we did this past Thursday, if you missed it, if you didn't join us live on YouTube, is we did a live stream of the recording of next Monday's episode. And basically, it's kind of a farewell to the the OVP basement studio that we were in for two years. We're releasing it in podcast form next Monday the 12th. It will not be a numbered episode. It's not 106. Right. So Chuck, Chuck Mass, Mass, you, can, you can minus that. So now yeah, we're at even. And, yeah. You can bust our balls all you want. Yeah. but. Next week, tune in if you didn't hear that. It's a special. It'll be fun. It's different. Remember we talked about Snoopy or something like that? Yeah, it's something about Snoopy, yeah. So you check that out. That's episode negative one, by the That's way. That's episode just so negative it, just one. Just so it makes the part right. two of 100 right. add up. It so. evens it out. It'll be coming out next Monday. And then after that, we're back to 106. We'll have the, the next round of Royal Rankings, all the great stuff. But it's a special next week. Check it out. It's going to be a little bit different, but it'll be a fun time. We guarantee it. But Quinn, we are reviewing something. Uh, we are. Now, this was a mutual agreement between the two of us. I suggested, why don't we do superstars, something in our comfort level? And you were like, hey, why don't we do the first superstars? Right. I mean, we're pioneers. We we reviewed the first New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> that's, ever. That's so right. We might as well dig into the first ever WWF superstars. That's right. Now, to clear a few things up, folks, this was not the first WWF show to be called superstars. Right. As Quinn and I did way back in the day, we reviewed the old superstars, which became Spotlight. Oh, that. Oh, God. I totally forgot about that. But in August of 1986, the final WWF Championship Wrestling aired, and it was replaced the following week with the first ever WWF Superstars of Wrestling. This represented a change in their overall TV direction because at the same time, all-Star Wrestling was changed into WWF Wrestling Challenge. Right. The Gorilla and Bobby show. Correct. So now we're veering into what became a beloved time period this in the late the, 80s. The real beginning, at least on television, of like the golden, golden era, right? right. It's like the, the show's called Superstars it's now. It's different now. There's pastels and yeah. <laughs> it's 80s. I mean, they're they're really heavy. And, and I know Championship at this point had already been heavy on this. They're extremely heavy on the licensed music oh yeah no this is a this is really a push towards becoming more ingrained with pop culture right and becoming more of the wwf that people fell in love with during the saturday night's main event era and the hogan right. era and things like that i mean we're we're knee deep in now. we are knee deep in here so this is wwf superstars november uh september 6 1986 and it was actually taped august 26 right. from the Providence Civic Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, is that according to Graham Hawthorne's book there? Yes, Graham okay. Hawthorne. Now, Quinn, you mentioned uh, a little beverage as yeah, you I'd were... Yeah, like, uh... I'd like to announce this as the sponsor here. <laughs> uh, the sponsor of this show was brought to you by a Miller High Life Donnie left at my apartment in the fridge. Okay, Miller High Life. The yeah. High Life. The High Life. Remember so, those commercials? I watched this entire thing with a Miller High Life. See, the High Life is about sitting in the sun and, and watching your favorite picture get lit up. So we get the classic WWF do 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 do. Yes, you know that one. The oh my god! I, I love that one. <laughs> Me too. I, I'm sure you'll dump it in. Oh, it'll be dumped. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. And we're hosted by Vince McMahon, Red Coat, Bruno San Martino, Red Coat, and Jesse Ventura. And before I mention his attire, Quinn, did you know? Because I didn't until it was pointed out to me. This is his first appearance on TV since WrestleMania two. 
Whoa, really? All through 86, he was off making whatever the hell movie he made in 86. Predator? Predator? Yeah, I think it was Predator. And that led to Bobby Heenan replacing him on primetime. Interesting. That's why it's okay. Bobby and Gorilla starting so this in is, April this of 86. This is actually the triumphant return of yes. Jesse the Body Ventura. He has not been on WWF TV in this capacity that's since actually, April. If you, if you think about it, that's not a long time. It's just I, maybe, five months. Maybe for children, that's a long time. But yeah, like, as really. an adult, we wouldn't even notice. No. We're just like, what? <laughs> and he's dressed like a leather cowboy. Yeah, well. Like, he looks very strange. And now they're actually at ringside, I want to mention. The green screen error did not start until right. 88. I didn't have that high tech no. yet. Now, I have to say, you know this has got to be a new WWF thing because Vince is like super excited. His hair is like more slick. <laughs> Vince McMahon at ringside along with Bruno Sammartino, Wrestling's living legend, and of course, the ever-present Jesse the Body Ventura. We get the classic Superstars theme song. Yes, that was the first song. Yeah, the NES music. Yeah. And the lineup of people that run down, I won't spoil it, but Quinn, you said woof. Yeah, it's poor. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, why is this on here? <laughs> this is the first Superstars, everyone. Get ready. Yeah. Historic lineup. Plus, historically, when the Federettes are making their debut. That was the only thing on the lineup that, like, <laughs> like piqued my interest. I was like, whoa, Federettes. Yeah, first Like, because I always remember Jesse the Body at WrestleMania 3 going, like, check out them Federettes. And, like, not... Yeah. As a kid, I didn't understand what the fuck what a that was. I didn't know what a federette was. It's a made-up and, word. Right. So I was like, what is he talking about? And all these, like, many years later, maybe, like, when I was a teenager, I realized after the 45th time of watching WrestleMania <laughs> 3 that he's talking about the, the women in those purple, what like, frocks, bathing suit oh, yeah. things. With they're the, not even. They're no, horrible. No, they're bathing suits on the bottom, but they're puffy shirts on the top. <laughs> they're they, pirates on the yeah, top. Yeah, it's real. It they is. They are. They're bathing suits on the bottom and pirate shirts on the top it's very odd so let's go down to ringside with howard finkel and some feedback i noticed and our opening matchup here is terry gibbs and roger kirby who looks more mm-hmm. like roger dirty and terry gibbs is the official first person announced on superstars yeah. just so you can always keep that in your a little feather in your cap yep. if you're doing a trivia with your friends that's like, right who was the first person ever to come out yep. announced on superstars it was terry gibbs you got that ryan schmuck yeah their opponents are Ricky Steamboat, and it's the Alan Parsons Project Thank edition. God, yeah. that music is great. His uh, partner is not. It's Shitty Afi, <sighs> just leeching off of Steamboat's I heat. Cannot what the fuck? believe <laughs> the first match we got to deal with this guy. How? I don't know, man. He's horrible, Joe. <laughs> I, know, I know. He's so bad. CV Afi, folks, if you uh, if you don't know who that is, it's a no talent version of Jimmy Snuka. It's fake Snuka. It's fake Snuka. So their opponents just attack them right away, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Gibbs and dirty over there, yeah. and they retaliate. The faces do with hip tosses, but Offies is like shitty. Yeah. And Ricky Steamboat Quinn has very awkward purple tights on. Yeah, I don't he like would them. wear those sometimes. Right, only on on the TV. They're and crappy. He never wore them on pay per view. I think they suck. Well, calm down. Offie gets in against Gibbs and pretends he's good, but Gibbs rakes the eyes and takes control. Okay, this actually really cracked me up in the middle of this match yeah. because Steamboat was like dominating. <laughs> yeah. he, he tags to Afi and Afi, as soon as he walks in, just gets like pounded on by these jobbers. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, and and he, su- he doesn't do anything to he them. He sucks. Yeah. Bruno, by the way, has barely said a word, Quinn. And yeah. when he does, he has to be like, prompted by Vince yes, every time. there's a point later where this gets really bad. It gets really bad. Yeah. So Afi struggles with Gibbs as we mentioned, and I love how shitty Afi is that, yeah. like, Terry Gibbs, I know the name at least, but right. he sucks. Who the hell is Roger Kirby? Well, like, why you know, is he kicking his ass? Now, Roger Kirby, right, he reminds me of a guy 
Who's so, that? He reminds me of the Duke of Dorchester. Though. A little bit in the face. Yeah, he has that Does, grungy, dirty look to, to him. To the point that when I was watching this, you know, I don't pay attention as much to the announcing, the ring announcer saying the names, especially for the jobbers. Yes, of course you like, don't. Because I'm like, who cares? Who are? Because they're Quinn. They're jobbers. Who gives a shit, <laughs> I right? I need to know. But so when I'm watching Roger Kirby for a couple <laughs> minutes here, I'm like, Kirby's oh, dream is that adventure. like the Duke of Dorchester? Like the whole match. It's similar. Like the whole match, I think it's him. I'm not kidding. <laughs> They're not the same. I need to note also, Quinn, that Vince is still in what I call his good announcing mode, which right. is not way over the top like he was in the 90s, mm-hmm. but very energetic and with it. You know, like, do you notice yeah. that at all about Vince? Like, he's, yeah, no, he's, he's good here. He's into it. Stevie working in the midsection of Kerry Gibbs, trying to back him off. Yep, trying to put the brakes on, does indeed now, moves him to the rope. So Afi continues to get beat down by jobbers. Of course, see the Afi has issues with the jobbers. Like, why wouldn't he? He's awful, Joe. Like, why was he a wrestler that existed that wasn't a jobber? Like, how is he not a jobber? By Especially by this point, because he came in earlier. And the only reason he's not a jobber is because he's, like, friends with Ricky Steamboat or something. Like, allegedly. <laughs> Stupid. So he finally makes the hot tag to a Barney the Dinosaur tights over here, Ricky mm. Steamboat. And you, you said, you like that Steamboat just dominates, which shows how worthless off he yeah, is. Yeah, he literally walks in and he just resumes his domination, <laughs> yeah. like that he when he tagged out. Oppie like, was so fucking useless. The jewel strongbow of this yeah. team, if you will. Body, Very jewel. <laughs> body slam city here. Vince calls Steamboat a one man gang. Yeah, what was that? I was <laughs> like, I, I was like, what? That, which gang was already named that in mid south by then? So yeah, that was but strange. he wasn't in WWF no. yet. So warm tag to Oppie. I'm not going to call it a hot tag who uh, does a very crappy superfly spat splash for the win. Yeah, he like lands on his knees. It was before. shitty. It was garbage. Like I'm not picking on him. He it was actually the, bad. I, I feel like he got like the pity win. Like Steamboat yeah. felt bad that he sucked so much <laughs> the whole time. He's like, I'll let you get the pin. Just I don't, I don't really pin. need it. I don't give a shit. I'm yeah. Ricky Steamboat. It's like I need to go do other things. Right. WrestleMania three is coming up <laughs> now. Vince literally has to prompt yes. Bruno to narrate the replay. Yes, he actually is like, and Bruno, will you uh, talk over the replay? <laughs> All right, Bruno, pick up the replay if you could. I'm just like, they hate each other. They don't. do, right? They, they, they really don't like each other. Because Bruno's only there, I think, something to do with David or needing something, money or so, something. It's something so David could be employed. Something, right? Yeah. yeah it, that's like, really literally the reason. Yeah, because Bruno like went kicking and screaming back there in 85, from what I understand. Right. And from also what I know, his commentary gets worse as the two well, years that he less does it. Yeah. as it goes on. By here. 88, he barely says anything. So anyway, Quinn, let's go to update from WWF Magazine with Mean Gene and his red jacket. The shitty set. Yeah, that like, set it, is terrible. It's horrible. It's pre-Lord Alfred, too. So Yeah, and pre, like, wasn't DeGeorge on this set, too, for a little while in 87? Yeah, but this is before all of that. The yeah. set just looks like somebody puked blue like somehow and it just splashed all over the place and some hints of white that spell out update so they ate a smurf yeah quinn guess who's returning oh it's superstar billy graham brother oh my god with this so we see him working out in a gym under the song bad to the bone which by the way is a song i hate i hate every song by george thorogood really, really? like bad to the bone and like hmm. one whiskey one bourbon one beer. they're all one chord it's they're horrible I, d- that d- guy sucks i was more surprised they got a song he of sucks. this car- caliber on this show what caliber no because this is like considered like a 60s 50s classic or something when did this song come out the 80s 
Wait, really? George Thorgood's from the eighties, yeah, seventies, uh-huh. eighties, yeah. Oh, my whole life I thought this was no. like like a classic. No, like, I thought it was like a sixties song. This is almost contemporary. I don't remember the year. It came really? out. Probably the early eighties, well, early seventies. Yeah. Done because I remember in the eighties there were some he songs sucks. done in that revival style where they were like supposed to sound more like that. Yeah, but you're thinking of like Stray Cats and Brian Setzer and stuff right. like that. This song to me sounds like it's old as shit. Like, That's because it even sucks. In, even when in the eighties, it came out in nineteen eighty-two. I think. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, to me. it's I, really, I really, didn't really know that. bad. So, I, I was actually genuinely surprised when I heard it in here. I was like, "Wow, they got that like classic song." And I'm no. like, "Oh wait, it's new." Vince is just a four years behind the eight ball as always. Mm-hmm. Now, anyway, Billy Graham is now outside with a spider on his face. What I, the I fuck was this? Like, He's like, brother, I got the tarantula on my face, and I'm coming back. Maybe it's licking the wound of his elbow that's slowly <laughs> falling apart. Like <laughs> it's his hip. So whatever it is. It, it doesn't matter. I just envision like literal like bone and sinew coming out of his like knee or yeah, something. Sinew. Graham cuts a very shitty promo. It's dump. Out here with the snakes, the lizards, the tarantulas getting bad to the bone, coming back to the W. WF wrestling scene and I'm feeling bad. Like honestly to me it sounds like someone doing an impression of Bruce Pritchard doing an impression of Dusty <laughs> Rhodes like and they're talking about the tarantula baby. Now it's funny because he actually is the <laughs> He's the original Dusty Rhodes. Right. But it's, 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 it, to think that we were think that he's an impression of an impression is like almost insulting. Well because by the Late 80s, Billy Graham is past his talking prime. Well, once the karate happened, it was over. <laughs> that was so, all downhill. Yeah. So anyway, for the record, to talk about this 1986 return. Yeah, I don't. I thought this was the no. Jesus Christ Superstar return. Thing. Kind of. But what happened was he had one match in this return. It was awful. He got his operation. He came back again in 87 and was supposed to wrestle, but never could. Like he wasn't really going to. He had a cane and he wore like pants that like were for a hospital. So one man gang beat him up. Yeah. And thus Don Morocco saved him. And that's what led to the 88 run. Jesus Christ, super music. The bottom line is after 1979, Billy Graham sucks. Well, he was something in like 82 in NWA, I think. He was Karate like, Billy Graham in 82. No, no, no. There's another version in, in Jim Crockett It's still bald Billy Graham, he's though. He's bald, but he's now he's happy again or something. <laughs> I'm serious. It's real. I've seen it. Well, anyway, let's go to Ringside Quinn to meet the Hart Foundation with Jimmy Hart in the ring. Wow. Hart Foundation. This yeah, is, this that's is nice. impressive. Yeah, this is good. Brett has the uh, 80s aviators, obviously, not the Hitman shades yep. yet. Well, they're still rough around the edges. Very rough. And they both have all black tights on with a single pink stripe up the middle, I, like I noticed. This. I like this get up nice tights their opponents quinn <laughs> making his debut in the, the world wrestling match. federation the hall of famer himself coco beware yeah hall and, of famer joe and his partner he is a former horseman the man whom rick flair wishes he was paul roma paul like, romeo roma really that's no, who they stuck I just him called with him romeo the whole time that's but. fine but that's who they fucking stuck him with. Mm-hmm. Now, Coco has a big white coat on, I should say. He gets the music entrance. like with The WrestleMania 3 song, right? Yeah. Theme. Like, you know that music? Yeah, that one. I don't like it. Yeah. But he's got all white on. He's got, like, white maitre d' gloves on and <laughs> he stuff. Is, he's Michael Jackson. <laughs> like, I, seriously, like, that's yeah, what they're going for, they right? Are. The glove. And you were like, why Why is Paul Roma get to have this big entrance uh, yeah, it with him? It me that Paul Roma got to, like, join in with yeah. this. Because the Hart Foundation doesn't even get shit. They're yeah, the, already in the ring yeah. jobber entrance. And I thought they were going to... That's gonna... the literal jobber entrance, Joe. Yes, and I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to lose this. I, but... I was positive. And actually, I don't 
don't even want to spoil yeah, let's anything. find out what happens. Uh, Vince calls Coco a dropkick specialist. Yeah, sure. As we get a shot of a federette. <laughs> Coco so and Anvil. <laughs> Why? Why was that a thing? I don't know. Coco and Anvil start. Coco dominates before tagging out to Roma, who promptly gets his ass yeah, kicked. Yeah, it's just like the last match, except Paul Roma plays CV off. Yeah, exactly. Brett comes in, and they actually do a demolition decapitation, which yeah. is rare for the Hart Foundation. Weird. Backbreaker by Brett. All right, we're getting some five moves of doom. The diving elbow. And then we get an insert promo from Coco Ware, as he says. Yeah. And he says, like, I'm here in the WWF. Then yeah. I'm in the WF. He, like, doesn't now, say the name right. Might, might I know also that yeah. while he's cutting this insert promo, he's got a boom box on his shoulder, and it's blaring the music and you like can't hear it's anything he's saying this is the birdman coco where and guess what i'm in the wwl right because you see everybody everybody in the wf is flying so high meanwhile during the break during the insert promo yeah insert promo is playing it's actually playing while this is all happening the hearts beat Roma with a heart attack. Yes, they just <laughs> win, and he's still talking. It's he's amazing. Still like, and I'm going to be the best. What? And I'm good. Like, seriously, like, that happens. And then Vince <laughs> blames referee Danny Davis, says it was one of the worst jobs in officiating ever. And honestly, I had no idea that they even started this angle this early. But Joe, Quinn, you had problems. the replay. Because I was like, yes, I didn't see anything. Yeah. And they play the replay. Nothing happens. And yeah. Vince and Bruno are just like losing their fucking shit over this. You were saying Jesse's confused <laughs> because he doesn't. He's like a real person. He's like, I don't get it either. Like, what did he do? You're like saying it's like khakis all over again. Right. Like, it's, no- they're just blaming a win that they don't like. But, on something. And but, it, Danny Davis just happens to be there. But I think this was the official start of the slow burn because by January, you know, that happened. Yeah. But anyway, the Hearts try to kill Coco after the match, but he drop kicks the shit out of them and yeah. leaves, which is funny. Yeah. And then Jesse the drop makes... drop kick specialist show. I mean, yeah. they, they had to at least sell it at some point. Jesse makes his obligatory, unnecessary <sighs> buckwheat reference, which yeah. I'm not going to dignify with a, a drop or anything. Yeah, but it's... I, it was... Why? There, there was some dated comments in this, really this, this whole show, if yeah. I recall. wasn't so, just the buckwheat. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the replay, Quinn. Yes. Once again, Bruno has to be prompted to talk about it. You know, I have to say, Quinn, surprisingly, we're 15 minutes in, and there's been not one single condition mentioned, Vince. Yeah. Bruno That's, really doesn't care. That's how you can no, tell. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care about condition. Although he does care enough to say the Coco Man. <laughs> what was that? He's like, that, that, you should say the Coco Man over here, Vince. But in the meantime, the Coco Man really showed him what he could do. When he said that, right, I literally, in my brain, conflated. Like, I just heard Gorilla going, ah, the Coco Man. Oh, like, there it is. So it's like, it, Coco it, fighting it with a nice bridge. That's why I thought I wasn't hearing a real thing when right. he said that. Right, I got you. Let's go to Ken Resnick. Sure, why not? And uh, he's yeah. gonna... <laughs> we have to deal with him the whole show, by the way. Get ready for enough of him. Uh, he's going to run down some great matches tonight at the Boston Garden, yeah. including Randy Savage versus George Steele. So Savage wanders in. And, and we get the question answered when the Macho Man, it's 15 minutes 15 into the minutes show. 15 minutes into the show. Yeah. Uh, Savage doesn't like George Steele. Uh, neither do I. He's a fat, hairy asshole. He is, like, enough. And, and you know what? It was sad to me because Savage is cutting this you know, rather mediocre. It's not promo. good, yeah. But, like, he's talking about how, like, I'm finally gonna get him off my back and right. I won't have to deal with him anymore. And I'm just like, man, you didn't have to deal with him until he costs you the belt. At WrestleMania, he, he's yeah. He's a big fucking asshole. <laughs> As time gets closer, man, I'm getting more ready. What must he be thinking? What must he be saying? Oh, man, nothing. 
Nothing? Nothing. What does that mean? Well, speaking of mediocre, let's go to the <laughs> new face honky tonk oh, man. Face? I could Yeah, you I, can't tell. I, I didn't know for real if this because I thought he was only face when he had the suspenders, Joe. He's a face here in eighty six. Still. Yes. Now honky tonk man can hear him all talk. He hears people like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. He hears him saying, Hey, who is this honky tonk man? Who is this man that's strutting around here with all this glitter on? Who cares? I have just have to ask, look, like how the fuck like, why did they think, really, why did Vince think this would get over his face? Like, really? I really didn't know. Right, Like you can't I, tell. The promo he cut, and that wasn't even just by the promo, he didn't say anything nice. It's just right. like, the honky-tonk man <laughs> is here! Ba-ding! Like, and then he just, like, left. But I was like, just like, I'm gonna be Paul Orndorff. Right. I'm but, gonna take you dosy doing. If you're gonna go dosy doing with Paul Orndorff, make sure you get the good arm. <laughs> of course. Thank you. To ringside, and we have Ron Shaw and... Duke Doherty himself, what Quinn. The, wait a second. Now I'm really confused because the real Duke shows up. Yeah. Why the fuck do we need the Duke of Dorchester? Like, why? I don't know. He, okay, fans, if you don't know, like, he might be one of the worst things, like, ever. He's beloved in Boston Garden, though. Right. But, they, like, ironically but, love him there. But... He literally terrible. He sucks at wrestling. Yes. He sucks at like looking like a human being. Yeah. He sucks at looking like a human looks being. Looks like he ate a cardboard box. He sucks at commentary. Boy, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> if you ever get to listen to the best commentary team of all time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Hi, I'm Mike, M- Mike, Hi, I'm Mike McGurk. Mike McGurk at Duke of Dorchester on some like random. Houston. Houston show. It is amazing. <laughs> what about the Semaktino has done so many illegal moves? I can't believe it. Semaktino right away. He's down on the mat right where he wants him. Hi, I'm Bruce Pritchard here. It used to be uh, on YouTube. 3,000, the blue flush one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it used to be on YouTube. Dad, they, they should throw him into the trash bin where I live. It's, He's like Oscar the Grouch come to life. literally the worst it's commentary. Horrible. I think Scott uh, Scott Keith from Blog of Doom like said it like it was the worst commentary he's ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, Quinn. It's horrible. <laughs> well, speaking of horrible, Quinn, uh, the opponents here are Hillbilly Jim. What the fuck? And Cousin Luke, who is not a bushwhacker. Not only is Cousin Luke not a bushwhacker, he's not even the best wrestler to ever be called Cousin Luke. He's also one of the worst wrestlers. Some people had wanted him to be on the worst wrestler, Rushmore. Cousin Luke versus Duke of Dorchester is wow what Luke what? versus Duke yeah now I always like Hillbilly Jim I have no I like, issue I like with Jim. him yeah but you combine cousin Luke with Hillbilly of, Jim and with Duke of Dorchester on the other side and you're asking for problems now he'll, yeah you are yeah. Hillbilly and uh, Ron Shaw start I just have to say Quinn hi Shaw hi Shaw Duke comes in and then so does Luke we got a Duke and a Luke Duke and that with a Luke yep. take a look at Duke and Luke looking it out there oh. Dave Hebner is the ref by the way there was, Vince has some comment about yeah. making hay <laughs> what? they're making stupid <sighs> hillbilly jokes it's not this funny is like, then by the way this is it's the, not funny now it's not funny forever this is the height of Vince loving hillbillies because you know the Uncle, yes. Uncle Elmer wedding has happened recently ish yes uh, and Vince thought it was just the funniest thing ever so of course he makes a they're making hay joke yeah I know well thankfully it's a quick squash hillbilly Jim puts away the dukester with a bear hug because of course the duke takes the yeah. pin and that's you, that's apropos at least you were mentioning like why did Vince think this was good yeah, the height of the hillbilly yeah. era you know how there was the attitude <laughs> yeah. era this was the hillbilly era yeah. 
But they, you were saying, like, oh, what are they, dirty? Like <laughs> that, That's literally the joke, Joe. Like, they're it's, dirty? They're dirty, and it's like Green Acres, because Vince used to watch that when he was a kid or something. Like 20 years earlier. I understand that. That's why Vince <laughs> used to watch it. Well, good morning, Mr. Douglas. Mr. Haney. Good morning, Ms. Douglas. You've been drafted? <laughs> <laughs> well, Quinn, let's go back to Ken Resnick. The point is, go the fuck to the Boston Garden tonight. Please go. go. Now, this is a weird promo that I happens love here because so Slick wanders in with Fred Blassie. Who's, <laughs> he's like just on his way out, Blassie. So this is the whole thing where Joe, for years, had explained to me like that there was some kind of transaction with Slick and Fred yeah, Blassie. They were co-managers. I, now, here's the thing is I never really saw any evidence of it because I never saw them on the screen together until now. It's weird, right? And it's weird. They're like working with, with each other and they're not like... They're not trading yet. They're just kind of like friends they both or something. Manage the same people. Yeah. Right. Now, Blassie has his red mumu on, by right. the way. I just need to mention yep. Slick looked really dapper. I'm and not his kidding. He's a little more puffier than usual. Not as slick, yeah. if you will. Mm. Yeah. And uh, he says the Bulldogs are going to be known as the Bullfrogs because they're going to hop on out of here. Yeah. What the fuck? And then the Bulldogs wander in and Blassie's like, get away. Now, <laughs> Which is funny. Now, Blassie. He's not in top form here. Let's he put it that way. Says. That Captain Lou Albano, and I, this is a quote. I'm yes. not like making this up. So, and we're not endorsing it. This is not good. But he says that Captain Lou manages a bunch of slanty-eyed idiots. He's talking about the machines. The machines who are not Japanese. Who are not Japanese? They're both right, like European people. They're not, yeah. you know, or like white. White, yeah. <laughs> well, one Anglo-Saxon, of them. Anglo-Saxon. Yes, is that let's go with that. Yeah. Yes, it's um, very good. They are not that. They're not Japanese. Also, even if they were Japanese. You don't, you don't say, say that. that on television. But isn't Blassie like 96 here? Right. Back so, in like the 1800s when he was around, that was okay to say. This is the 1980s. Yeah. I mean, was Blassie born in the 18? 18- is that even no, possible? No, I'm kidding, Quinn. Like, he was not. Uh, he was born in the, in the mid-1900s. Like could 19, have been born in 1899. He was not. He uh, was born in like 19... I don't know. <laughs> 1917, I'm going to go with, okay? World War One. Anyway, yes. Anyway, Davy Boy, Burns. stop it. Davy Boy sounds Irish here. He's like, hey, we're not going to settle down. Because the British Bulldogs worked hard for these belts, and we're not going to sit down. And then yeah. Dynamite just sounds like an asshole, because yeah. he always does. Anyway, that was a bad promo. Quint, a fruit wrinkle <laughs> commercial is barely clipped I, out. I told you they were real. The the evidence on the screen now. Okay. We need to tell this whole story. Joe, you want to tell it? When Quint and I were younger, Quinn used to call any fruit snack. Yeah. You know fruit snacks, folks, right? Yeah. He used to call them a fruit wrinkle, and I would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you what? would get like very upset that I would call them fruit wrinkles. I was like, what is a fruit wrinkle? And you would say that your mom... My mom would always, whenever we bought them at the store, like it didn't matter what brand, Gushers or anything, she's like, okay, like, we're going to get fruit wrinkles, right? <laughs> and I didn't know what... Uh, all I knew is that... She always called it that, so I thought that's really like I just thought that was like the classification of the like style of food it was. <laughs> that's like how I understood it. I was like, these are like as a whole fruit wrinkles. And I had never seen a commercial or seen a fruit wrinkle. Now, I till years and years later, I asked my mom. I was like, why do you call them that? And she's like, oh, when you were a baby or something, they were called that. Which well, was 19... 19- which was 1986. <laughs> That's true. Here it is. You were four months old yeah. here. There you go. So... Fruit wrinkle. It all adds up. Wow. Quinn, our next match here is uh, Tommy Sharp. I think no relation to Mike Sharp or yep. Frankie Sharp from Sharp Records. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, prepared to give you a contract <laughs> for one year. Sign, you get to travel the world now, you know who that in guy- my Mr. Big limo. <laughs> you know who that guy was, right? He played Tootie in Goodfellas. 
the really? same guy that played Tootie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, he had long hair, though. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, Tommy Sharp's opponent here, Quinn, is uh, Kamala. Fuck off. <sighs> and now this is the, the master version <laughs> yeah. of the entourage. So, so Fink says, his manager, King Curtis... Yup. And assisted by Kim Assisted by Kimchi. When I say the entourage, Kimchi is always there, so I don't care. Like he's just in it. But you know what I thought of, Quinn, while we were watching this here? That's how the master got (gasps) Kamala into the Dungeon of Doom. The connection. So you can here you can trace it back right here. That's how. Sadly, Bruno does not comment on Kamala's conditioning. Oh, he needs to get in better shape, Vince. I was hoping for something like that. Fat asshole. I mean, he should say something. (laughs) So we get an insert promo from King Curtis for no fucking reason. It's bad. It's it's literally like that. It is. And Kamal does his usual shitty offense. Jesse says, well, he's not an NCAA athlete. Why do people like Kamala so much? Like, he sucks balls. Like, I can describe everything that happens in this match as Kamala fats into him. Like, that's literally, like, everything that happens. What are we missing with Kamala, folks? Like, when was he good? Early 80s? It wasn't here. I've never seen him good. Was Kamala 2 better and like people saw that Kamala more? 2? So they were confused. I don't like I'm trying to I'm grasping at straws here, Joe. Yeah, like, I know. Was like, where was he ever good? Have a fruit wrinkle. So, I, need, I need one after that match. <laughs> Kamala with an awful splash off the ropes for yeah. the win. And I don't mean the top rope. Yeah. Off the ropes. He just like, runs off the ropes. But he like still lands on his ankles <laughs> like he does at SummerSlam with The Undertaker. Well, that's caused some problems later. <sighs> To the flower shop we go with Adrian Adonis, white hat. Yeah. Uh, Barry Orton. No, that's the wrong one. Bob Orton, pink hat. (laughs) And uh, Adrian, you said, is dressed like a big fat lady at a wedding. Yes, he literally looks like like a big fat lady at a wedding. Mm, That's probably what he was going for. I I think that was the look. So his guest is the pretty much face turned by now, Roddy Piper. Right. more or less. Although he's still like very he's a dick. snippy. Yeah. Well, he's always a, Roddy Piper's always a dick. Yeah. So anyway, Piper comes on and he's like, ah, you look like you have a 34B, bro. Oh, <laughs> Bob, Bob Orton, your name is Pinky. Now, and I think Adrian, you need to go take, you need to go take a home pregnancy <laughs> test. I did not come here to insult you and tell you that you look like you need the home pregnancy test. The home pregnancy test line, I literally laughed. Like, Why? I, like, Piper's funny. Like, because if you think about, look at this <sighs> fucking spectacle of this. This scene. whole this, scene, right? Like, somebody needed to come in there and just be like, this is fucking stupid. Like, that's basically <laughs> what he was saying. Like, yeah, because like, the way Adonis is dressed, yeah. the way Bob Orton has the pink hat. Yeah, it's all the bad. The whole existence. It's as I say, it's all bad. Yeah. Like, you know, like. That's one of your trademarks. Yeah, it was so apropos that Piper, like, I was, like, happy when Piper showed up and he's, like, making all these stupid (laughs) jokes. Like, yeah, just somebody needed to say that. Okay. So Piper apparently works for Nielsen because he runs down some stats about (laughs) superstars. This made me laugh, too. And he's like, oh, the flower shop is the number one rated show for constipation. Yes, because it makes people have to go take a dump when it's happening or something. Right, like the boss man's music did for one of your friends. My friend used to always say big boss man's music, not the The class. Yeah, the the heel heel one in in 90s WWF used to make him take a shit so so roddy hands jimmy hart a message that he reads saying that the flower shop is canceled so piper's pick can return next week do you think it also said number one for constipation on it it probably did yeah Yeah, because piper probably wrote it (laughs) adrian flips out which you found that whole tantrum pretty funny it was because the way it It was okay the way it faded out to commercial break was like it was like kind of like halfway through the tantrum and i just thought it it just all came off very funny 
So let's go to the ring where the Rougeau brothers, who are pretty new, are introduced in weird robes. Yeah, not matching. Not matching. I didn't yeah. like that. They're facing a Mike Fever one. And of course, <laughs> Joe's Bob, favorite wrestler. Bob fucking Bradley. <laughs> On the 82 like stuff, he just made his debut. Yeah. Which is weird to think that he's probably been on this show since 82. Yeah, I'm sure he has. Show. Right. Yeah, he there he is. And the Rougeaus uh, are in all black tights, which is different for them. Yep. Bradley has a crappy mustache. And also, Mike Fever? Really? Yeah, he's so hot. Is he up there with a Joe Champ or yeah, whatever? Names? Yes, yeah. Joe Champ Mike is great. Fever. So the Mountie here dominates for a while and then ta- tags in his brother. <laughs> and I just want to say that we're going to take a look at the French announce team. This is the weirdest part. So There's no reason for this. Now, I have a theory now after watching this. What? Is the in the box thing like a new thing that they got? Because oh, maybe. They are using yeah. it like every Insert fucking match. Stuff, yeah. Uh, because. Why these announcers and they even pipe in their audio for seconds like suck like new and like all this like <laughs> under the sea Sebastian and like all this stuff <laughs> they're saying all this bullshit and you're like I don't understand what any of this says like why did they do that I don't know the team is uh for the record Edouard Carpentier and Guy Hooray. Yeah, hooray. So we get the pleasure of hearing them. Wee wee. Meanwhile, Jacques got a fever, Quinn. Yeah. (laughs) And the only prescription is the Tower of Quebec. What the fuck? Out of nowhere. This was great. I love that finisher. Yeah. That's a great fit. That's a Quebecer's finisher. Yeah, it looks awesome. That's basically the assisted cannonball. Why did they not always do this? I don't know. It's a great finisher. Wow. I'll say this. At least the crowd liked them, but you had a problem with the song that starts playing. They fade away after, you know, the freeze frame and their hands are up yay we win but they start playing living in america yeah, but like they don't play the living in america part because you could tell they're trying to hide it but like as somebody who listened to music from the 1980s before i just know that that's living in america yes. uh we cut to a clip from the flower shop again this was a random where bobby heenan and lou albano i love the manager crossover like you got blassie crossing over with slick well, the problem, Albano I, and the problem I had, I felt it was a bit crowded with the managers. It there. was. There was a lot, but Albano was on his way out. Right. And Blassie was on his way out. So they argue about the machines. Albano's the manager. So Bobby says a blackjack mulligan machine, which is big machine, right? Right. I guess. That he looks familiar, which is funny because he did manage him. But anyway, don't they keep like switching while Bobby's back is turned? They do. And it, it gets very confusing. It does. One of them, they say it's Giant Machine, it's but not. it's not Giant Machine. But then but the then, real Giant Machine yeah, comes out. it's very... I don't understand. But do you know who Giant Machine is? Because I don't know. Bobby thinks it's Andre, but I'm not... Now, we know it's Andre, although there's no way you could have known it's back Andre then, back no, then. No, no, no. But that's because Lou Albano had revealed it on um, you know, that company we watched. Oh, UWF. Yeah, that oh. shitty company. Andre the Giant! <laughs> Andre the Giant. And he said he managed him, so here you go. You even said you're like... You're not really sure what the point of this segment was. I don't get it. Like, what? <laughs> it if, didn't do anything. What was the point of any of that? <laughs> like, know. it didn't advance anything. No. I thought this was the show where the stories happened. Yeah. Like, that did nothing. <sighs> Let's go to the ring where Bobby Heenan is introduced with a big heel pop, and his team is Bedhead, John Studd, and King Kong Bundy. Now, this is an actual main event on this show, which is surprising. That's true. Yeah, which, again, the Vince cares. I mean, it's borderline main event, but... But it's people that aren't jobbers fighting each other. So that's a main event on Superstars. That's true. You said this is one of Bobby's worst teams, though, that he ever managed. Yeah, and it's weird because at the beginning of the program, they did definitely say, like, one of the best tag teams in the United <laughs> States or something. And I'm like, huh? Like, Sun Bunny never good. happened. I'm sorry. Like, I don't like either of them. Yeah. I don't know who I like more. We're really late into their run, too. 
Yeah, it's we're like, like September. Yeah, of Stud's almost gone. Yeah, Stud leaves in like a couple of months. Right. There's a sign in the crowd though that says Bundy, you elephant with the letter U, which I thought was funny. <laughs> it's a horrible sign. Yeah, horrible. Anyway, Quinn, their opponents here are the very useful Corporal Kirchner, Ugh! and of course. SD Jones in his shitty jacket that you love. Yeah, it's so crap. The one with all the stupid signs. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that jacket. I hate it. And you also have a problem just with Kirshner, too, yeah, in general, he, he right? Yeah, just feels off. The whole fake Sergeant Slaughter thing, it really blows. It does. It does make me wonder in some alternate reality, could Kirshner have been like something? If he was a good wrestler. I get, yeah, he's yeah not. because it's proven here. He's really not. Dave Hedman's a referee. Stud and Corporal start here and Stud dominates before telegraphing a clothesline. Corporal Kirshner takes over with uh, punches. All he does is punch Joe. 95%. <laughs> There's like a body slam. He does nothing. He punch, 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 body slam, punch, 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 punch. <laughs> that there he literally has no other offense. He's like the precursor to Hercules. <laughs> literally. Hercules. Uh, body slam by Stun and Bundy gets in and he fats around a bit. Bruno has said nothing so far this well, whole match. There's nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Punch, punch, punch. Yeah. And then I guess mm-hmm. in a tribute or an homage to WrestleMania 1, Bundy kills SD Jones <laughs> with the avalanche for yes. the win. That right. was funny. Backstage, we have Ken Resnick, and basically he set, tells us that if you don't go to Boston Garden tonight, you're essentially a puppy-kicking, heartless asshole. Basically. So the machines come in. Oh, boy. God, and Bill, oh, boy. Bill Eady, giant, or super machine. Yeah, otherwise known as Axe. Yeah, remember Axe? He could win the Royal Rumble. The, he, the obvious 1989 <laughs> front runner for the Royal Rumble. He cuts a, a a Japanese promo allegedly by saying "son" a lot. Very shortly, Albano will send a good friend, Animal Steel Son, in ring. Their partner for tonight in the Garden, George the Animal Son Steel, comes in to annoy me, and he's like, "Get." Belt. Great contribution. I know. Get the fuck out of here. And like, then, seriously, get I the, know. Get, get the, the fuck, fuck out, out of here. here. And then Mulligan Machine comes in, and he, he talks in like even more offensive faux Japanese. Yeah, he literally says Honda Mitsubishi Chevrolet for Animal High Dozo High Dozo Honda Suzuki Mitsubishi Chevrolet High Dozo. Was I mean, this okay in the eighties? Okay, this show is full of this show. We, I mean, we've already covered the Blassie comment. Yeah, and, I know. And, uh, buckwheat the buckwheat thing. Yeah. Like, and now all this Japanese shit again. I, I guess that this was just like nobody even like... It seems the thing about it is it seems like nobody batted an eye to it back then. It wasn't not. even like... It was just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. You know, like their heels, I guess. Right, I, I guess. guess that's okay. Right. So anyway, Albano comes in to say nothing because he's useless as a face manager in yeah. 1986. This whole thing was not good. But next week, the British Bulldogs. All pastel, by the way. I yes. just need to say... <laughs> All three machines will be here, Quinn. Wonderful. Piper's Pit. That's good. Macho Man. That's good. And the main event, Paul Wonderful versus Siviafi. That's not a main event. That's a, that's a jobber match. That's, that's a jobber match that's, right that's there. That's Paul Orndorff versus a jobber. Yeah, literally. They yeah. just need to say Paul Orndorff in action. Paul Wonderful. Yes. Uh, we get like a music video recap yeah, no, for tonight. Well, Vince calls it that, which is that's actually... That's what he calls it. And now the music video recap of the day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> End of the show. And that's it. Uh, not a bad debut for superstars. I guess. Not I mean, great. What a classic that yeah. tag team match was at the end there. At least there was a paradigm shift Paradigm shift going on. Do you and think this set the tone for superstars? <laughs> I think superstars got better, honestly. Yeah, but was this a tone setter? There was this some tone this sh- being set. It seems like they. the one thing I'm noticing here 
from the beginning, which I never knew, is they seem to be having a feature match every show. Right. That's what they're setting up for. And it is fast-paced. Right. Unlike championship wrestling. Not there that, was a lot not of that, stuff on this. Not that Paul Wonderful versus CV is a good feature match for next week, but it's, it's not. again, it's not two jobbers, even though I disagree with that. But it's, in, yeah. at least <laughs> in on a, theory, te- it's on not a technicality, two it's not two jobbers. <laughs> well, folks, we want to thank you technically for being with us here this week. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode number 105 of our Revenge Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Remember, next week it is not 106. It'll be the OVP Studio Shutdown Special episode minus one, the minus world. We yeah. will be back. And then after that, of course, on the 19th, we'll be back for 106. In the meantime, if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Join the Facebook group. And if you want to, you can donate at patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next week, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinson. And we are out of here. Sayonara. Go, go, go.